0: which, in my opinion, is the greatest professional amateur movie podcast on iTunes and Spotify. I say professional amateur because we are amateurs aiming to be professionals. (laughs) Uh, My name is Sam. I am joined by my podcasting partner, friend, fellow movie expert. Steve, how are you today? I'm doing fine. I would love to get paid, too. Yeah, right. That a great idea. Wouldn't we both? Okay, so I got a really important question for you. Steve, if you could go back in time and change anything in your life, what would it be? I, you
1: know what? Um, that, that's going to take some thought. Okay. Right off the top of
0: my head. Yeah, top of your head. Right off the top of my head, uh, I'd buy Apple stock <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> you know what? That's a good one. I'm going to go non-financial related. Non-financial? I, I think that any, any... Everything
1: falls in place once you get the finances down. Yeah,
0: any wise man, uh, I guess, would say something about a stock they should have bought. <laughs> For me... I would have gone back in time and begun a career as basically a detective or an FBI agent of some sort, some sort of investigator, like law enforcement investigator, not a cop, so to speak. Uh-huh. Um, just because I, I, you know, the thing about me that has pissed off my friends and family uh, and coworkers for my entire life yeah. is that I'm an extremely skeptical person. I will usually be skeptical about anything anyone says to me, and even if they are telling me Sam, I'm telling you is true, I'll be like, I don't know. I don't know if you're telling the truth. I'll say it to my best friend. Now that is a character trait that is highly valued in the field of investigation.
1: You know what? I once heard that from Miss Marple herself. Miss Marple? <laughs> she's Agatha Christie's detective, uh, Miss ah. Marple. She once said, The reason she's such a good detective is because she she doesn't believe
0: everything she hears. Yeah, so that's my if I'd go back in time. <laughs> The reason I asked you this question is because the movies we are doing today are time travel movies, uh, hidden gems that are time travel movies. Having said that, you yeah. would have thought I'd put more, I would have put more thought in the last
1: couple of days about what I might do if I had the power to time travel. The truth
0: is <laughs> I, I've thought about this my entire life, and considering that you're older, um, I'm surprised you didn't have a whole litany of regrets. I do. I just didn't okay. want to get into them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, so you didn't want to be too revealing. I didn't want to be too revealing. I mean, I, I could get heavy and say, oh, I want to save a, a you know, a warn, a, a close loved one, you yeah. know, and save their life, but I didn't want to get too heavy.
0: Okay, so Steve, uh, last episode we did Val Kilmer, and we spent a lot of time talking about Val Kilmer. Boy, howdy. Before we actually talked about a Val Kilmer movie. I don't see much reason to do that today before we get into our first film. Steve, do you have anything to say on the topic of time travel movies as a genre, as a subgenre of science fiction? Only that they, they're using them too much. You think so?
1: They're overworking them. They're overworking the whole Groundhog's Day thing, too. I am getting really irritated with all these movies um, who, who are um, you know, rehashing and rewarming that, with one exception. What's that? There was this movie, and I, I the, the name escapes me, about a young girl who who relives the day uh, the single oh Happy Birthday or Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day. That is a terrific movie. Never, I love that movie. Never heard of it. Not only that, it 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 during the in the script near the end, it acknowledges its debt to Groundhog Day.
0: Okay, so I'm not a big time travel movie genre person. So much so that one of my all-time beloved TV shows, Star Trek, every Star Trek series there is, um, some of my least favorite episodes are the ones that revolve around time travel. I'm a little surprised I would have thought you would have liked that. Nope. There are too many rules to be broken, and if anyone knows anything about me, uh, story holes piss me off, even in great (laughs) movies. I do not like story holes, and that is a major problem with time travel movies. Um, However... Maybe not a problem in our first movie today, and that movie is Primer. I mean, you've got the four hundred billion dollars. You've gone the charity route. You have this perfect hundred-room mansion with matching his and her yachts and helicopter pads. How do you feel today?
1: stand stay on the line, and you're not going to interrupt, you're going to speak for any reason, some of this you know, I'm going to start at the top of the page, inside the box it's like the street, both ends are cul-de-sac, they took from their surroundings what was needed, and made of it something more.
0: I imagine no way in which this thing would be considered
1: anywhere remotely close to, say.
0: Why not the lottery? You have a margin account, right? For now, though, if you wanted to, you can just tell her you had a good day in the market. You don't understand, no. You don't understand the questions that come with that, okay? Hey, hey, Whoa, come here for a second, what's on your hand? You bleeding? did. you see that? I swear that was him, what the hell is he doing? Just sitting outside my house at two in the morning. There's no way I would tell anyone about this. No way. Can you think of any reason that you might? No, I can't. Sometimes we do things, you no, know, we don't know how we got no. to that. No, I can't. Can't what? I can't think of any reason why I would.
1: There was value in the thing, Clearly that they were certain of.
0: Okay, so Steve, uh, Primer was your pick, but the truth is, recently you and I have been on kind of a a run where your pick would have been my pick, um, hence Movie Soulmates, Uh, but Steve, uh, I love Primer, and give me some stats on Primer before you tell me why you picked it.
1: Okay. Um, primary. It's a very, it's a very brief movie. It's only an hour and seventeen minutes. It was released in October two thousand four. Now I went to a couple of sites trying to find out the exact day, but I couldn't find it. I read articles and profiles on the director. Can I interrupt
0: you? Sure. There probably is no exact date based on the budget of the movie. It was probably released. In different cities at different dates. So you may not be able to find the very first time it was released, say, in Seattle. Right. That could be. It might not. I I don't know who purchased it. I I think... Small movies don't get wide releases. They tend to build up steam. They put them in one major city Mm -hmm. to see how it performs. And if it performs well,
1: they put it in another. You'd think some bean counter, though, would have... have, figured out which one the first one was. I don't know what the purchase was of this movie, whether it played at a uh, a, a Sundance Mm -hmm. or SXS whatever. South by Southwest. South by Southwest, and then got a purchaser, because this kind of movie does draw appeals. I think it did win an audience award at the... uh, Cannes. no. Um, Sundance. Uh, no, the, the one you uh, you mentioned, which... Uh,
0: South by Southwest? Yes. Which, I, by the way, back then was not as big a festival. No, no. you didn't hear about South no. by Southwest unless you were like a super indie nerd yep. back in 2004.
1: I apologize if, if I'm wrong on this. It might be Sundance, but I believe it did win an audience award. Well,
0: it's not important. Let's Let's get mm-hmm. to the stats that are important about this that particular movie.
1: That is true. It's rated PG-13. It was written and directed and starred, and produced, and the music was composed, and it was edited by <laughs> Shane Carruth. The reason he did so many things is because the movie cost $7,000. <laughs>
0: That's it, not that amazing? As far as indie budget movies go, that's about as low as it'll ever get. How much was The Blair Witch Project? I do not know. Something I imagine like, around uh, the same amount. Yeah, like 10000 yeah. maybe. However, um, The Blair Witch Project was a financial behemoth. Can you imagine yeah. the profit margins on that movie? I mean, it must have been insane. Well, again, yeah. not, not to get off track, although I,
1: I have heard from folks that they, they kind of like when we get off track— uh Return for the Dollar, I think it is still stands as one of the most successful movies ever made. Makes sense. Uh you know, uh, return on return on the dollar. Uh I think the Weinsteins put a million on it to make it releasable to widescreen, but still it grossed like $150 million. So that's $150 off of every one dollar that you've invested. That is amazing. I'll tell you what though this movie did pretty well. It made almost a quarter of a million dollars. Now, if it's a $7,000 budget, that's not bad. I can only think that it has made far more mo- far more grosses since based on rentals and purchases, because this movie, I
0: think, is somewhat well-known. And yet today, I don't think it would even come close to making that amount of money, because if it was even bought at all, it would have been Stream directly to Amazon or Netflix. Yes. There's no yeah. question. But
1: I do think it would have, it, it
0: might have achieved a... You think it would have achieved a greater reputation
1: because this no. movie is clever. No,
0: I think the fact it had a theater release mm-hmm. is much better for it. Um, I think that today there's so many good things on streaming that are never talked about. A good example of this is... Um, Barry Jenkins, The Underground Railroad, which is a masterpiece of all-time limited series. It is, I think it's like 10 episodes. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Now, you know I don't care about awards, but no Emmy nominations, uh, very little discussion around it. So I think right now, more things and good things are being produced than ever, but also working counter to each other because they're getting lost in the mix. There's definitely a larger volume, both in TV and movies, to
1: select from, and you can get fantastic movies that miss the boat, that yeah. don't deserve to. Okay, any other stats? The tagline. Okay, yeah. get this. Yeah. If you always want what you can't have, what do you, wa- what do you want when you can have anything?
0: The tagline is as convoluted and Byzantine as the <laughs> plot of this movie.
1: Um, oh, oh, the only other thing is that it also starred an actor named David Sullivan. Yeah, who, as I understand it, uh, reading IMDb trivia, uh, was not an actor when he was hired, but he does a pretty darn good job.
0: Yeah, he's and he's done all right in his yeah. career. He has had lots of work since. He's one of the two main characters in this movie. All right, before you actually cho- t- talk about why you chose the movie, let me summarize the plot without really summarizing the plot. And the plot is this: two inventors there, and and they are you know really. Don't think Albert Einstein, or not Sorry, he's not the wrong guy. He's not the right guy. Don't think Thomas Edison. Think about what, like, really what a modern-day inventor is, which is, like, two really smart guys in a garage desperately trying to, like, sell patents. Well, two guys are inventors, and they're financially, you know, they, they've got other jobs they work at, but they're, you know, they're desperately trying to make money uh, just inventing stuff and creating patents to sell. Well, one of them or both of them accidentally invent a time machine. Yes, you've heard right a time machine and they use it to go back in time by literally 12 hours or so, so that they can play the stock market. That's all that's all this is right. They use their time machine. So basically at one point in the day, 6 PM, they see what stocks have been hitting and then they go back 12 hours earlier and they purchase those stocks at a lower price. That is the basic plot of this movie. Um, now we got to talk about this movie. This movie, how do I put it? All right, it's extremely complicated. It it delves into time travel in a way that no movie has ever delved into time travel because what it is specifically interested in is the rules of time travel and more specifically something they call causality. Now, there's two ways to look at this movie in my opinion, and I know I'm kind of stepping on why you like it. Um, You can look at this movie in two different ways. You can look at it as a movie that is interested in time travel and forcing you, the viewer, to think really hard about time travel and trying to decipher the movie, uh, which in itself is a mystery in some ways, as it is uh, going really deep into the causality of time travel, right? So there's kind of like what the movie is about, which is time travel. But then there's another thing that makes this movie super interesting, and it's this, is the movie better off, or is the viewer better off reading about this movie, whether they read about it before or after? Because I really, um, the first time I ever watched it, I loved it. I was super interested. I read some, not enough. And then I decided before I watched it to read a lot about it. And I found so many great and really intelligent articles on this movie. And it really did enhance my viewing the second time, maybe because it made it more decipherable for me. But I think it, it's a weird way that very... 99% of the time, I say, if you can't understand a movie, it's not good. It's not worth watching. That no movie should make you have to decipher it that much, including mysteries. This is the only one where I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with going to articles online and figuring out what this movie's about. And here's why. The movie does not leave anything out. The movie is not... It doesn't have holes, as far as I can see. It doesn't have plot holes. It doesn't have logic holes. It's just presenting itself in a way without explaining itself to you. But everything is in there to be deciphered. Okay, Steve, uh, you talk to me about this movie and why you chose it. I chose it because I thought it was neat. Yeah. That's it? That's
1: all. That's, no, that's uh, good <laughs>
0: podcasting, Steve. That's great. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: episode, so much for test. Yeah, Listen, episode over. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's pretty true. I thought it seemed like a mental toy to me yeah <laughs> and that's why i liked it i didn't understand it not all the plot not all the plot elements worse than that the first time i saw it i missed what the movie was really about cuz the movie is uh, you know uh, tentatively about time travel but it, it's trying to get at something else yeah. too yeah uh being responsible sure w- with with your choices you know yeah. that's what it's really about but this movie uh, I, I read somewhere that uh, uh in in IMDb, uh, i am my, my my favorite i m d b that uh the director shane Carruth i, I think i 'm pronouncing his name correctly he wasn 't going to make any compromises he wasn 't going to slow up and explain step by step uh w- what was happening mm-hmm. and they use at at least at it it at first it appears that they're using really tough science that I don't have a I don't have a a, a a prayer of understanding. I went back and watched it I watched it twice for this podcast. Okay, cool. First, you know, just to reintroduce myself, the second time I read a synopsis on it and then I turned on closed caption and I realized it really wasn't delving into too much science, not as much as I thought. Okay or at least not relevant science, they really don't get into the time travel until like you're half an hour into, a, into the
0: movie. And by then, there's only about 45 minutes left. Well, we have to define science because they do delve into causality. So it's kind of like math. One plus one equals two. Two plus two equals four. And if you take one away, you have three, right? It's the idea of um, one event leads to another event. And by the way... um. The writers of South Park, who literally have uh, said in a documentary that when they first started writing South Park, they didn't know how to write, and then eventually they learned um, uh, like the most basic rule of story writing. And I'm gonna mangle it, but it's like, um, it's like, oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, It's basically if a character does this, then this, which leads to this. Then this. You know what I mean? It's just the idea mm-hmm. of causality. Uh, character A does one thing, which leads to next thing, which causes character A to do next thing, right? It's, it's just the idea that you start with a choice, you start with an action, which inevitably leads to another action, which then leads to another action. Yeah. What, what you're getting um, at, I
1: guess you could say it's either plot, yeah. which most people concede is plot the most important? No. Yeah. Or behavior which is probably the most important aspect of storytelling. Mm -hmm. But you have to have a a plausible plot that accommodates interesting behavior, fascinating behavior.
0: So I want to make a really important uh, uh, statement right now uh, for anyone listening to this podcast who hasn't seen this movie. The fun of this movie, I believe, is talking about the plot specifically, which means Steve and I are going to spoil this movie So that being said, what I recommend is that you fast forward to the second movie um, of this podcast, watch Primer, and then listen to the first half. And I know it sounds weird that we're even doing, you know, in in that order, but I wanted to give more time to Primer, and normally we spend more time on the first movie. Uh, What I will say, though, is that I do not believe spoiling Primer actually uh lessens the viewer experience because it's impossible to spoil primer because it's so dense and so layered and shane Carruth has never spoiled primer himself he has never said what primer is you know all about therefore everything is really just conjecture and theory so i don't think it's a problem if you guys listen to the rest of this podcast uh however if you want to skip ahead. I don't think that's a problem. And in fact, I'm going to do something for the first time. I'm going to put little time codes uh, in the descriptions to show you when we talk about each movie. Right. You would want to fast forward just long enough to hear r-
1: r- 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 yeah. the butler did it. Yeah, yeah, and Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. So, Steve, before, you know, is there anything else you want to say about the general moviness of Primer? Uh, I share
1: your feelings with—I get pissed off with movies that you need a primer to understand, looking at you, Christopher Nolan. Mm -hmm. Uh, I kind of resent that, you know? But this movie doesn't doesn't leave you bitter. It leaves you hungry.
0: Absolutely. It also leaves you impressed. Um, Yes. You get the feeling that a very smart person wrote this movie, and you don't want— to necessarily engage with that person until you know what they're talking about. You don't want to reveal your own ignorance.
1: I have a philosophy that if if I don't understand something, I can dismiss it as pretentious. Unfortunately, I can't do that here.
0: Yeah, this movie, you know, it seems to have such a, uh, a firm grasp on everything it's doing and it's just simply not doing what christopher nolan does which is have every character explain to you step by step what is happening the characters do not do that at all in fact much of the dialogue here is overlapping in fact much of the things i, I know it's like a robert altman movie, yeah, yeah. much of the things i dislike about movies are in this movie and yet i have absolutely no problem with some general movie things i want to say for starters for a movie of seven thousand dollars it looks great Really good cinematography. Roger Ebert was quoted as saying that every shot in the movie looks like it needs to be there, which is a compliment, right? It's the idea that, um, everything they did had a purpose on such a low budget and that there isn't a single shot that doesn't seem well planned out. Um, the dialogue is naturalistic, which I generally don't like. However, I do think it works for this movie because this movie has a bird's eye view. You're not really getting it through the perspective necessarily of either character, um, and the movie is just so well plotted, and that's what we're going to get into now—the actual plot of this movie, because I think that's what makes the movie fun.
1: Before you start, um, there is one scene where they're uh, uh, uh right before that, right as they're revealing a breakthrough, they're outside near a truck. Yeah, the looping is awful. <laughs> the looping is uh, absolutely uh, yeah. awful. You mean the ADR to the point of. Yeah, when they decide so, to ha- so have a when Steve
0: stay. says looping, he's actually talking about the actors in the studio recording dialogue. It, it's not dialogue captured uh, on set.
1: Yeah, they they were outside, so either they didn't have mics, yeah. or they, they had a crude mic, which they intended to um you know uh, re-record in the studio, and it's and, and the, the recording is so bad, uh, it, it sounds uh hollow, tinny. Do you uh, see their with faces e- with echoes? Yes. Oh you do. Yes. So is it, it out the, of the funny sync? thing is it's it's absolutely perfectly in sync. Interesting. But it does it sounds like it was r- recorded somewhere else, which it, you know, that's that's a really uh rid- kind of a ridiculous quibble, but it, it was jarring. I'm surprised they haven't they didn't try to maybe try and fix it. But that uh, that is a small quibble.
0: Well, the guys had 7,000. dollars At the end of the day, that's there's true. there's going to be some fuck-ups. Yes. Okay. I read lots about this movie before I watched it the second time. Um, and the best thing I read was a 20,000-word article on this movie. It was fantastic. It delved into physics and mathematics and rules and all the plot points of this movie. However, the most important thing it said, and that really helped me the, the second time I watched this movie, which was the first time for the podcast, was that the movie is only showing you a portion of the story. And then, in fact, from the very beginning of the movie, there are things that are happening and have happened that the movie is not showing you. This movie is not linear. Let me repeat. I know that sounds really stupid for a movie about time travel, but this movie is not linear. And 99% of time travel movies you see, even if they start in the future and go back in the past, the story is linear from scene to scene. One character's perspective moves forward. So Steve, let's say you start in this room. It is approximately two o'clock right now. And you travel back in time, six hours. Okay. When you get back in time, six hours, the plot is still moving forward. And not only that time from your perspective is moving forward. So it's like, if you're moving on a, if you're moving on a treadmill, you're moving forward while the treadmill is moving backwards. Okay. That makes a story go forward. This movie does not do that uh, scenes and events in this movie are actually played out of order. That being said, if you actually know what is happening in the film, it is somewhat easier to decipher. Now, I'm going to ask you, Steve, the thing I would ask you if we were off mic. Steve, what do you think happened in this
1: movie? This is the spoiler, guys. Right, this is, this is, this is a spoiler. Um, I'm a little surprised at, at the question because,
0: um... Well, what do you mean when you say Steve? What, what do happens? you if you had to summarize the plot uh-huh. in greater detail than I did? Okay, what do you L- think happened in this movie? L- let me let me give it a try.
1: Uh, the plot really picks up once they discover once their discovery uh, is realized to them, because uh, the first half hour you get a lot of important information. Yeah, right. These two guys decide to uh, bit well. No, one of the guys discovers this, uh, uh, you know, this, this quirk in, in one of their discoveries that allows them to travel backwards in time. Mm-hmm. He travels backward in time, then springs it on his buddy, yeah. <laughs> who is very surprised to see the results of this. Yeah. Um, this is very disorienting for, the, for that character. It's very disorienting for the audience. Yeah. Okay? Um, he does this. Um, there's Aaron and Abe. Abe is the one who uh, travel back in time. He discovers in an invention
0: that was intended for something else. Right. To to make something smaller, to make it more portable or something like that. He discovered in one of their inventions that their invention, which they intended for something else, was actually a time travel machine. He uses it to go back in time earlier in the day and show his friend Aaron, his co-inventor, himself about to use the machine from a distance steve they, continue they, they put the machine uh, aaron has decided uh, abe decided to put
1: the, the machine in a uh, control uh temperature controlled storage facility mm-hmm. and he drives his buddy aaron uh to this storage facility and springs it on him by giving him a pair of binoculars and watching him watch his buddy abe as he who's who's standing right next to him a uh, hundred yards away, also walking
0: into the storage facility. By the way, what great use of a limited budget. You don't have to show to both characters at the same time. No special effects. No special effects. Yes. It works it,
1: totally. It, it, this is so ingenious. Some shots are, when we first see them, yeah. they're from a point of view maybe up way high, mm-hmm. because he intends to use that exact same shot, but with, he's going to fill that frame with somebody mm-hmm. who wasn't there the first time that happened. This movie it, it is so mind blowing and it is so meticulous. Yeah. Anyway, going on, going on, they they strike on the idea of um, investing single day uh, in, in these large uh, mutual funds so that so that their uh, winnings won't be won't, won't arouse suspicion. Day trades, than day trades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but with with, with this, these huge funds so that it, you know it, it gets lost. They thought about doing the lottery. Well, that's you know. Not a big enough fey day, yeah, right? Right. And, and you'd have to wait. Uh, that's what they intend to do, okay? Make a quick buck. They don't th- think of whether they, as, as Shane Carew said in the interview, they didn't, yeah. they didn't ask themselves whether they uh, should do it,
0: only yeah. if they could do it. By the way, can I, well, there is a bit of should here, and can I interrupt you for a second? Sure. The characters, the way they go about it is extremely careful. They have an idea that they know things that will happen if they mess up. So, for instance, one thing they don't want to do, they're extremely cautious. One thing they never want to do is run into their other selves. Not because they know it will happen, but because they don't know it will happen, right? So they don't want to run into their other self. I think they discussed,
1: um, they're, right. nobody, uh, I think one of the characters says, I, I'm not an expert in paradoxes. Yeah. You know, everybody has said uh, nothing will happen if you run into yourself. Some people say that, you know, it, it will destroy the universe. Yeah. the universe So can't as a result,
0: it. what they do is... Um, for the entire day, they lock themselves in a hotel room. with no, They unplug everything. They turn off their cell phones. They make themselves in such a way that they don't impact the world at all and cannot be reached. Take themselves out of the equation. They, they take themselves out of the it, equation. Yes. Then they leave the hotel room, let's say at like 8 p.m., and they go to the time machine, and they go back in time so that they can go through that exact same day with their other selves in the hotel room. Does that make sense? <laughs> sort of. I I, yeah. I don't think even I, I
1: I grasp that. I was wondering if they were going. That was one of my questions. Are they going around in a loop? They do let. There there are instances where they let time pass. Yeah. Which should bring them up to date without doubles. That is a huge part of the plot. What, you know, These doubles yeah. wandering around and yeah. what the doubles will do. And do the doubles,
0: and remember, these are the same people. They're yeah. identicals. Yeah. But do they have minds of their own? It's not supposed to be a loop. Because according to this article, the uh-huh. way it works is they wake up in the morning, they go to the hotel room. Actually, no, no, excuse me. They wake up in the morning. They can't go to the hotel room. No, yeah, no, they right. wake up in the morning. They turn the machine on. They turn on. the machine on, but on a timer. On a timer. It's not immediately on. They basically turn on a timer to turn the machine on. There is a very good reason for this. They leave, and 15 minutes later, once that machine is on, their other self is actually going to come out of it. So they want. They don't want their other self coming out of the machine while they're turning it on that precise moment. The whole device on how yeah. this thing works is different from any other right. time machine. Right. That's so, the, It is very complex. This movie is trying to do time travel in a realistic and plausible way without explaining the actual science of time travel. They're trying to do it in a rules perspective. Okay, yes. okay. So they turn on a timer so that in 15 minutes later that machine will turn on. Then they leave that room. They go to the hotel room. Okay, Then after, let's say it's like 7 p.m. at night, 8 p.m. at night, they go to the machine, um, and, I, and I think at this point it's already running because they turned it on. Can I correct you? Yeah,
1: now, this is where I risk getting into yeah. um, no, you this know, is what confusing we're doing. people, but no, I don't think they go to the hotel yet. They only go to the hotel after they have been in the time machine and gone back six hours. They come out, that's when they make the no trades. No, no, that's wrong. See, this
0: is what's great about this movie. Uh-huh. That's incorrect. Okay. They go to the storage locker. Well,
1: that wouldn't make sense either, right? Yeah. Because they wouldn't have yeah. any valuable exactly. information. Exactly. Uh, of they course. go to right. the You're storage
0: right. locker. They turn on They turn on the timer to turn on the time machine. Yeah. Then they go to the hotel room. Okay. Then after like 12 hours in the hotel room, they go back to the time machine, which is currently running. Now, here's what's crazy. They turn off the time machine. They turn it off. They jump into the time machine as soon as they turn it off because there's like a slight window, okay. Then here's what's crazy. This is so hard to explain, and I, I will put, actually going to put a link up to the article <laughs> I read in this podcast because it's just it's such a great uh, summary of the of the of the movie. While they're in the time machine, which they have just turned off, they can hear it powering on, okay. Because in a weird way, it's like. They're moving back in time and as they're moving back in time, the machine is turning on from when they turned it on at the beginning of the day, even though at the end of the day, they just turned it off before they got into it. When they get out of the time machine, when they get out of the time machine, it's at the exact moment that the timer they set 15 minutes earlier set to turn the machine on. Okay, They go about their day, they make the trades, and they go to bed because here's the deal. Before they moved back in time, they turned the machine off, and that's what closes the loop. Does that make sense? So so the idea is when they go to bed, uh, after going back in time, so a, sec- a sequential version of events happens like this. Wake up in the morning, turn on the timer, which turns the machine on 15 minutes later, go to the hotel room, spend 12 hours. Get, those, go, get that important information, get, whatever it may be. Yeah, get the important information. Um go back to the storage locker, turn the machine off as soon as they turn it off because apparently there's a small window, get into the get into the time machine and lay there for what is actually like 12 hours. They actually have to like lay there for 12 hours as the machine takes them back 12 hours in time. I thought I heard six, but it, not that whatever. relevant. It, it, it's not I don't relevant. know if you get like,
1: uh, you, you spend six and you go no, back 12. No, it's
0: one to one. It, it is one to one. It's one okay. to one. I believe it's one to one, but okay. it's not important. Okay. Um, They've spent a long period of time in there and, and actually, you know, ingest, uh, like oxygen to keep themselves from suffocating. Um, when they get out of the time machine, it's that 15 minutes later in the day. Okay. It's that 15 minutes later in the day that the machine turned on in the morning. Then they go about making the trades because they've learned, I guess, from the, from the newspaper or something, what has happened in the stock market. They make the trades throughout the day and then they go to bed. And this is what's important because, They consider themselves the ones who went back. So during the day they're making the trades, their other selves are in that hotel room supposedly, okay? Supposedly. They don't really know. But when they go to bed, because before they went back in time, they turned off the time machine, that is supposed to close the loop so that when they wake up the next day, it is in sequential order the next day from when they woke up and turned on the timer. Does that make sense? Yes, Except so here's what happens
1: to the people who are in the the hotel room at the same time. They're making the trades that they learned about six hours prior, or before, or or after. (laughs) um, You have two sets. They have to go back into the machine
0: supposedly because, or do they no longer exist? No, because no, they exist until the moment. You got to think of it this way: because those characters in the hotel went back to the time machine and became the characters hmm. who are now day trading, and those characters go to bed, and the next day occurs, the loop is closed. So there's no doubles at that point. There's, there's no doubles at the point that they get past the moment that the two characters from the hotel went into the time machine. That, told, that makes okay. sense. <laughs> now, I know, what you're, I know but, what you're thinking out there. Right. What are these two idiots uh, talking about? But what are these
1: nerds talking about? But here's what's funny.
0: All of this is based on the characters' notions themselves these are rules the characters themselves have created these laws that they believe exist like it's kind of like imagine you wanted to time travel in the safest way and you had to think it out and you were a super smart inventor but what they eventually find out is they don't know anything all the rules they think they know don't actually apply and this goes further into the movie technically steve you were starting off what you thought happened in the movie and i was clarifying a question for you and of course the longest and most drawn out way possible so steve please continue (laughs) I I can barely remember where I left off. However, the, the
1: problems yeah. occur uh when they decide to do something other than day trade, when they try to break the loop. And this is where you get into motivation. What what makes the movie more compelling? Yeah. There is a side uh there's a side plot yeah. in which there is a dinner at which Abe's girlfriend gets accosted at this party, yeah. okay? uh apparently one of her 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 ex-boyfriends enters a party with a loaded shotgun yep okay and scares the life out of everybody he doesn't kill anybody just scares him just scares him now uh uh Aaron gets it into his mind that he has to
0: stop this he has to become a hero interrupt Aaron invited the guy to the party which is the only well, eventually which is the only plot hole in the movie no, no, it was Aaron. Aaron feels guilty. He said uh to the guy who was invited to the party, bring your cousin who happens to be this girl's ex-boyfriend. Now see, I remember the scene where he invites them, but I thought that was a calculation
1: after he knew what was going to happen. You know what? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> the way, the way I yeah. the way I see it if, I would if, hope guilt yours is a is motiv- true. If guilt is a motivation, then then um I don't think it's, it's interesting. What I think yeah. is that Aaron wants to be a hero. And this is his chance to be a hero. Earlier in the movie, yeah. earlier in the movie, he asks his wife, after, yeah. he's, after they've discovered this whole great thing, this, this magnificent tool they have, he asks his wife, who doesn't know about any of this, yeah. he asks his wife, what would you do?
0: Yeah.
1: What would you do? And she says something uh, really nice. She'd do, some, she'd do something nice for humanity. Aaron says, I go back, find the guy who uh, made trouble for us. It was an, I think it was an investor Mm -hmm. who refused to invest or pulled money. And I pop him in the nose. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, she admires this because she thinks that, you know, he, he should do it. She says, good for you. She says, that's my hero. Interesting. And later, he wants—in he, fact, he uses the hero. Two other characters refer to him as the hero. This is, this is Aaron's need for
0: meaning in what they're doing. Rather than just the payola, he needs meaning. Okay, so I have a question. Do you think that Aaron set this all up for this guy to come to this party? No. Okay, I don't so think so. Then why he does is he invite preying him? on it. He is
1: preying on this, uh, this instance. He doesn't have to be the hero. He knows, it's revealed, that under several different times they go through this party, as they go through it a lot to perfect, uh, mm-hmm. to perfect the, the uh, consequences mm-hmm. the way they want them to, he goes several times, and no time does this guy ever actually shoot the gun. So he, what he's doing, he wants to appear the hero without any physical risk, because he knows that this cousin is not going
0: to fire the gun. So I have a question. Why did he invite the cousin at all? To be a hero, no, no, he no. He wants it to but occur, but the first time it ever happened, the first time it ever happened, I'm not sure that he does. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that um, he he invites
1: the cousin to begin with, or if
0: he does, it's it's out of no, no. But think about it: if the very first time the guy ever came to the party, Aaron mm-hmm. did not invite him, right. he would never need to invite him again. Does that make sense? We see Aaron inviting the guy. The point is, if the very first time mm-hmm. this event occurred, which, by mm-hmm. the way, is after the first day they, tra- they time-traveled, it's within like the few days of their time-traveling, because right. this entire movie only takes place over the course chronologically of a few days, even though it actually takes place quite possibly over the course of weeks, if not months, right, okay. in their time-traveling adventures. For instance, like reliving the same day for a year. But the mm-hmm. point is, if the very first time the party occurs, Aaron did not invite him, it would not make sense for later for Aaron to need to invite him. Hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So I believe um, it was caused to by. To make sure, yeah, to, to make sure that he actually arrives,
1: unless there's something that they did that knocked the possibility of uh, of the guy and his cousin coming to the party.
0: And I think they're, I, I can't remember. Or I they're, they're trying remember. to get the guy, they're trying to preempt the invitation to get the guy to come to a specific place first. I don't think any of that's true. I think Aaron. Oh, yeah.
1: Now. The timing is very important. Yeah. They've got the, they're very meticulous. They need this guy to arrive at a certain time yep. so that they know exactly when to disable this guy. Yeah. And, and, again, Aaron becomes the hero. By the way, the first time this happens, and I, I'm not to, not to yeah. dismiss your, your, yeah. your theory, um, the first time this happens, Abe doesn't know it. Yeah, so, Abe, ha- Abe, Abe finds out right. about it by two other people who there who uh, two other scientists yeah. who are working with them. Yeah, I call them scientists. They seem more they're like inventors. Uh, they're, all inventors. Inventors. they're all inventors. They all wear the same uniform. It's it's, it's like a mid nineties. They're
0: doing a dork version uniform. of Reservoir Dogs. That's what they're
1: doing. I thought they were doing a. Do- uh, A cool version
0: of office space. No, (laughs) I I mean, isn't that the same thing? Uh, A dork version of Reservoir Dogs is a cool version of office space. Okay, fair enough. So the point is this, though. The reason I hope you're right, and -hmm. that the reason he actually invites the cousin later on in the timeline is to change how the cousin arrives, how the guy with the shotgun arrives at the party so they can disarm him. That would make more sense, Steve, than giving a shit if if your best friend's girlfriend's ex-boyfriend comes to a party why would you ever do that right does that make sense like if it's based on the fact he feels guilty about inviting this guy then the plot hole would be a behavioral one which would be why would anybody care like steve if you had a girlfriend and i knew someone was having a party and i was and i ran to another guy and i said oh hey bring your cousin who's my good friend's ex-boyfriend why would i do such a thing it doesn't Mm -hmm. even make sense
1: They even make a... I think that uh, the guy makes an allusion. Oh, a big reunion, huh?
0: Yeah, it just... Like he knows
1: that it could be a a problem.
0: Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. All right, but let's continue on in your summary of events that occur. Okay. uh, This apparently is
1: the catalyst for things going very wrong. Yeah. uh, Because they can't... They don't seem
0: to be able to perfect it. I don't know what what causes it. They fucked up their loop. They had a very specific loop, which was wake up, Turn on the timer to turn on the machine, go to the hotel room, go back to the machine, turn it off, jump in the machine right before it turns off, travel back in time, make the day trades, and go to sleep. And that closes the loop, and the next day can occur. However, Aaron, going back in time without Abe to correct the events of the party, not only has potentially uh, fucked up their loop, and their causality and the closing of the loop, but it has also created paranoia, which is really important to the movie <laughs> between Abe and Aaron, because now Abe does not trust Aaron. Imagine knowing that this other guy might be traveling back in time without you. What are they doing? What are they affecting?
1: Yeah, and you use paranoia. Because, and The first person who brings up the word paranoia is, ironically, Aaron. That's right. Um, you think Abe is the yes. hothead, and
0: Aaron yes. is the cautious one, and then it flips.
1: Yes. Although... Aaron uh, has a point because Abe has done something unbeknownst to Aaron, and that is create the failsafe box. That's right. Now, what Aaron doesn't know, or what Abe doesn't know, is that Aaron has discovered this, and that leads well, to a whole more uh, complicated. Let's, uh, let's
0: talk about the failsafe box and what it is. Okay. Abe created another time machine on a different level of the. Uh, Storage facility, yeah. Of the storage facility. And this time machine was set to go back in a point before he ever went in the first time machine. That's the idea. And what's that for? To cancel all the events. Right. If, it,
1: if, if the shit goes down, yeah. he can stop both of them from ever from getting From ever in.
0: doing it, from even discovering that it exists. Right. He buries it and... It's uh, the ultimate closed loop. Because yes. it can go back in time to the before he even went in the first one. And go to sleep that day, and that means they close the loop, and none of this ever occurred, except for this one character. When Abe goes to sleep in the next day, all those things in his life will have happened to him, but they will not have happened to Aaron. Does that make sense? Sort of. It's about power. (laughs) He has the ability in some ways to cancel out all the events that occurred in Aaron's life, supposedly from the time he showed Aaron the time machine to the time he, that Abe got in the failsafe.
1: we Worse still, and this isn't an issue they bring up, but I, I, I'm reluctant to bring it up, Abe could then use the time machine mm-hmm. for his own purposes.
0: <laughs> well, think of it this way. Imagine, Although they don't really dis- explore um, imagine that. Imagine you go through something for, let's say, I've been time-traveling with you for three weeks, and then mm-hmm. you go back even further and cancel all those events. You've actually made me not exist for those three weeks. It's like a partial form of death. It's like a partial killing in a weird way. You've killed off a significant chunk of my existence, like a period of my existence, almost like amnesia, only even worse because it never happened. It will never have happened for me. So this is the type of thing that creates the paranoia. It's interesting because uh, uh,
1: our next movie actually explores that very thing. But let's continue. Yes. Yes. All right. So things are further complicated. Yeah. By their uh, funder, their financier, yeah. who happens to be the, uh, uh, the father, the father of Abe's Abe's girlfriend. That's right, right? Yeah, a current girlfriend, I think. Yeah, his current one, his, his current girlfriend. Somehow, and I don't understand this at all. It's never explained. You know, this financier yeah. who apparently has been following a, a, following Abe and Aaron, wanting to know what exactly they're doing with the money. He discovers what they're doing, he gets into the time machine. Not knowing
0: any of the rules, by Not the way. knowing
1: any of the rules. Comes out like uh, a zombie and is is He uh, comes out
0: what is weeks later. Like he's got he went in clean shaven and comes mm-hmm. out with a full grown beard. Yes,
1: he said it was at least three days uh yeah. which if, if, he, if he was in there for three days and then, no, then is that, that he was ooh, in there knows for three that long. he was in
0: there for three days, is that after he went back in time, he continued three days. Does that make sense? It's like he, he mm-hmm. didn't do it in one day. He didn't close the loop. He just kept it oh, going. Right, right. He just That's kept right. it going. But the point yeah. is this. This all occurs after Aaron has done the thing at the party. And this is what's important. Abe assumes that because of what Aaron did at the party, because he broke the rules, um, that it has created a causality. It, it's literally uh, A leads to B and they don't like what B is. And this prompts Abe to use the failsafe machine. This is the idea that just because any little thing happened, and it's not really a little thing, but the fact that this guy used their time machine causes Abe to say, enough is enough. I have got to go back to the very beginning and cancel all of this. And this is when he learns the big whammy. You, you want to do it? Well, I guess that
1: I, I, hope, I hope I even know what the big whammy is. The big whammy is that uh, apparently uh, Aaron while checking in to the uh, 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 storage facility, notices that Aaron's signature is on not one, but two manifests or receipts. Yeah. He's wondering, wait a minute, why are there two? That's when he discovers the, the uh, failsafe in the uh, two, two floors above, yep. and he has got the jump on
0: Abe. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So my question is... Do you know the big whammy, though? I'm not sure I do, because I don't understand... Can I give
1: you...
0: Shouldn't Aaron Aaron see the wisdom of of Abe's behavior? Right, and this is about paranoia and power. This is about who's got the power. All right, here's the big whammy. Can I give it to you? Sure. All right, the big whammy is this. Remember what I said about how the movie is not in sequential order? Uh And not only that, so this this movie works under a theory. You know, I didn't realize that it wasn't in sequential order, but I had... I will explain. I was constantly thinking, wait a minute is is this really in order? And by yeah. the way, it's not because they're editing it out of order. It's not because of that. It's because this movie is subscribing to a theory that all things are happening at once, that because it's a loop, all things are happening at once. But here's the big whammy. Aaron, when he not yes, Aaron when he found the fail-safe machine, here's what he did. He built another time machine before he uses the fail-safe machine that Abe built. He builds what is a collapsible time machine yes you heard me right he actually builds two machines he builds two he builds a first one that he is going to put in the in a in a like a storage facility right next to the original uh machine right this machine which is basically his failsafe, is intended to take it's basically here's what it is god this is so (laughs) this is so complicated he builds a machine that is Essentially, to take him back a tiny bit after, Abe's machine is supposed to take Abe back. But here's the deal. So he builds this time machine. Let's say Abe's machine has him going back 12 hours and 5 minutes. Uh, Aaron's machine is going to have him go back 12 hours and 3 minutes. But that's the first machine he builds. And he builds this machine right next, in like the next storage unit, next to Abe's original failsafe. He builds a second machine, which is collapsible. And this is what's really important, all right? So he sets, Aaron sets the Aaron failsafe machine, uh, and then he uses the Abe failsafe machine. And here's the deal. When you use the Abe failsafe machine, it's over. The, that that machine is all used up. It is done, okay? Then he takes out the... Uh, the collapsible machine that he built and he uses it. Gosh, do we have a, um, do do we have the photo of this? All right, guys, check it out. We stopped down to actually get the piece of paper that has some explanation of these two different machines that Aaron built. Okay. So do, 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 do. All right. So, um, uh, I got to find Aaron. All right. So do, 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 So, uh, do, do, do. Let me hum a few bars. Yeah, right. Uh, the right. So, so here's, the point. here's the point. All right, <laughs> let, let's just, let me get away from going too deep into the semantics here or, or the details. The point is this. Aaron builds two machines. One is a fake uh, failsafe to trick Abe, right? It is, it's, after he uses Abe machine, Abe's machine, he wants there to be another machine that Abe will eventually potentially take back in time but won't take him back far enough. It won't actually give him the power of the failsafe. Then Aaron brings with him Another machine, which is actually collapsible, and I don't exactly remember what the point of this machine is. Um, he takes it in the box with him. He takes it in the box during with him.
1: the time travels. I presumably, maybe to, to go further back
0: i is don't that know possible? if it's i don't know if it's to go further back or or somehow like you need two machines um here you know i'm gonna read this original person on undisturbed timeline decides to time travel this is ape he activates a delayed switch and leaves the area to avoid encountering his double uh the machine starts and the double exits right so this is at the end of the day when they go into the machine um Original prepares for entry into the box, checking stock prices, avoids causative action. Original enters the box, joining the looped uh, time stream inside. Original waits out six hours of subjective time as he travels into the past, becoming his Double. Double has six hours of casual influence on both his new timeline and his original timeline uh per- and this is also the period when the original and the double exist simultaneously double creates an altered future for the double alone the original loses his existence all right so this is just explaining what i've actually already explained yeah. but the point is this aaron has not only fucked up the original uh fail-safe machine by using it he's also created a new fail safe machine which will prevent uh abe from ever traveling back further than Aaron is able to travel back. This is what I'm talking about when it comes to the power. And this is when the thing gets really uh, important. So, all right, so we haven't even gone to the big whammy yet. Here is the big whammy. And this is why I said the movie is not showing you everything in the movie all at once. The very first time Abe is talking to Aaron about the time machine when he first finds a yes when he first finds aaron in the park sitting on a bench aaron has an earpiece in his ear which he claims he is using to listen to march madness games but in fact he is not talking to aaron for the first time about this machine. Technically, Abe is talking to Aaron about the first time about this machine. However, this is not the first time Aaron has heard Abe talk about this machine <laughs> because this is not the original Aaron. This is an Aaron who has already used Abe's failed safe machine to go back in time. This is what is so fucked up. Yes. Right. This is what
1: is crazy. That'll that'll bake your uh, yeah. That'll bake the your very brain. first
0: time you see Abe talk to Aaron about the machine. What Aaron is actually doing is he is listening. To a recording of the exact things that Abe at that moment is saying, so he knows how to respond consistently every single day. Listeners, please
1: bear with us because yeah. I'm about to go, uh, I think, another right. level so, down. So, for what we know right now, I'm about to go another level yeah. down. What
0: we know right now is there is a second Aaron.
1: There is a second there Aaron. There is a second Aaron.
0: Um, we think the reason he's got this head. head earpiece is he's
1: just listening to a game but instead he is listening to pre-recorded responses that he has to give to make sure everything follows the way it's supposed
0: to however also he has been going back in time multiple times Mm. so the very first time we see abe explain the time machine to aaron we are actually seeing a version of aaron that has already been doing this multiple times here is a problem though yeah in the next scene, yeah. they, when they take the
1: truck to the storage facility yeah. and Abe shows Aaron for the first time yeah. what
0: he's been doing, he's not wearing an earpiece. That's right. So here's the question. I noticed this too. Did the Aaron with the earpiece somehow slip out to go do his own thing while—imagine you know you're about to run in— to the other, the other Aaron, and you kind of make a back door. Exit. Excuse me, I need to go
1: to the bathroom. Right. Knowing yeah. full
0: well that the that the original Aaron right. is in that bathroom. <laughs> However, here is a problem with this this theory. Uh-huh. The very first time Aaron uses the failsafe machine to go all the way back in time to when Abe set it. Uh-huh. Aaron finds his self, who knows nothing about the time machine that day, and he chloroforms him and puts him in the attic. This is so he can relive the events of the day without running in to the other Aaron, who would have lived those exact same events. <laughs> right now, I'm sure if we were in, right.
1: if we had all our listeners here, they'd be throwing things at us in frustration. I hope that we have we have uh, made this intriguing to watch. Right.
0: Also, this is why I feel that this pod, this specific part of the podcast will be better served for people who have already watched the movie to see their theories co-align not really with ours but with what i've read um so the idea right is that when he uses uh abe's failsafe machine for the first time he has to basically take out his other self his original self and put and lock him in the attic of his own house so that when abe talks to him the first time he can um Actually, what he does is he does a few things. The first time he puts in the earpiece, he's actually recording everything that Abe and everyone else around him says. And then the second time, he's listening to the recording. So we don't know how many times he has been doing this loop. And it appears the very first time he ever did this loop, it was to correct the events of the party. However, when Abe, in Abe's timeline... Finds out about the investor, he decides to use his failsafe machine, which actually turns out to be the fake failsafe machine that Aaron built. And when he comes up to see Aaron, um, two things happen. The first is Aaron sees Abe come up to him, about to explain to him all this shit. And Abe is Aaron's listening to the events of that original day, thinking that Abe is going to say to him all the things he's always said every single time this occurs. In fact, Abe is about to say. Hey man, you're not gonna believe this, but like, you know, we've been traveling in time together. Blah 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 blah. Right. So what what Abe is actually saying is not matching what Aaron has recorded because this is the Abe who used the failsafe machine. Not you know? only that, he's yeah. messed up in the head. Not only that, he's traveled so far back in time that he's exhausted. He's technically traveled back in what is in his timeline like four days. Okay. So by the time he actually is able to utter a few sentences which are not the correct sentences that Aaron is listening to on the park bench, he then collapses. And it is at this point that Aaron discovers that this Abe he's now talking to is not the Abe he talks to every day who has the exact same line telling him about the, the time machine for the first time. It is, in fact, the Abe who has used the failsafe. Now what has happened is now they're both aware that they're both time travelers on different timelines right mm-hmm. they're no longer in conjunction with each other one of the stuff you just for a yeah. second. the the device of
1: using the uh pre-recorded conversations there's a, there's a witty little bit he uses this also later for another character i believe the guy he invites to the party yeah um he's playing basketball he shoots the first time apparently he made the basketball so the recording said he can hear um his friend say oh nice shot the second time he misses, yeah, right. <laughs> he can't say, uh, oh, uh, he's not going to hear, oh, nice shot, oh, oh, brick. I thought it was kind of clever. Yeah, it, it, was, it was
0: good. All right, so the point is this. Now they're both aware of each other, and their paranoia is more heightened than ever. Um, and at this point, I guess the idea is what they know now is this, that Aaron has, is a double of his self. Like he's got basically the loop is open because he is existing while his other self is locked in the attic. Um, and Abe is pissed about this, like rightfully so. And he, um, he, he's basically saying, look, here's what we have to do. We have to fix everything that has now occurred. Abe is telling Aaron this. We have to fix everything that you have fucked up. However, one thing Abe doesn't know at this moment is that he hasn't used the correct time machine. He hasn't used the correct failsafe machine. He does know that Aaron has traveled back in time without him, but he doesn't. But he doesn't know um, that. Uh, what he doesn't know is that uh, Aaron used his actual failsafe machine. He thinks Aaron just used one of the original machines to go pretty far back in time, but he doesn't know that it is the uh, that it's actually the original failsafe machine that he used. Okay. Now here's what is really important. Now that the two are aware of each other, they are both aware that they're kind of doubles. The, the loop is open now because Abe has used his failsafe machine, and Aaron has presumably traveled back in time to around the time that you know Abe created his failsafe machine, not knowing that Aaron actually created that. Aaron used the original failsafe machine. They decide that they've got to do a few things. The first thing is they've got to correct the events of the party in such a way that it won't lead to the investor following them and using the time machine. like That is Abe's major focus, to prevent the investor from using the time machine. And because he thinks this occurred during the events of the party that Aaron changed, he's got to be a co-conspirator with Aaron uh, in this thing to somehow try and close this loop. So they do this rigmarole. They go to the party. They once again, and at this point, by the way, Aaron has actually ditched being the hero of the party. He's gotten bored of it. Um we don't know what this version of Aaron is even doing, okay? We we just know that this is the other Aaron, the Aaron who's traveled back in time. So they correct the events of the party and then they go to an airport. And here's the deal. There are now the loop is open. The loop is not closed. It's wide bloody open. Um there are doubles all around. The <laughs> as far as we know, there are two Aarons and two Abes. And there's no way to really close the loop, okay? So they're at this airport. The friendship is completely disintegrated. And Abe tells Aaron get out of here. Don't come back here. I'm going to try and figure out a way to stop all of this from ever happening, but you just get the hell out of here. Don't contact me. Yeah. Don't contact them. Yeah. He's actually saying, he's telling Aaron not to contact his own family Mm -hmm. because the double is in the attic who will eventually fall out of the attic and wonder what the fuck happened. He was just attacked by quite possibly himself. Okay. Mm Okay um aaron gets on a plane and the very last scene of the movie there's two last scenes one you see abe kind of like watching the characters of themselves like the original aaron and the original abe uh trying to figure out how he's going to stop all this from happening the other shot is, is that, that what you think this i is, think
1: something else but we'll, this is
0: abe all right so abe in a car yeah, across the street yeah that's what you think yeah i would have a different all it, right but so we'll get to you the other shot you see is of aaron in france uh, directing a crew of builders to construct what is probably a much larger time machine. Okay. Steve, why would he do
1: that? Why, wh- having
0: seen the horrible destruction, why would he I'll want... I'll explain. A- okay. I'll explain, but not until you do your thing first. There's another whammy coming.
1: Well, he- here's, here's a dramatic yeah. whammy. This is what makes the movie yeah. interesting, is the behavior. Yeah. Because what we haven't discussed is that apparently uh, Abe is covetous. He covets... Um, Air, uh, yeah, Aaron's wife. Did you get? That? I never got that. Th- that is a huge motivator in this whole movie. That is a huge motivator. Early on, there's a scene where uh, his wife asks Aaron, would you, "Would you would you feed the kid? Would you mm-hmm. feed the kid or bathe her?" And he tries to get out of it, saying something, "Oh, she'll just scream and holler." And so, and, and and the wife said, "No, that's okay." Little impatience there, right? Yeah. Uh, a subsequent scene. Has the, the the little girl there? Mm. Only she's not sitting on her father Aaron's lap. She's sitting on Abe's lap. Okay, okay. Him sitting across the um uh the the street, looking at the family. Yeah, I don't think that happened. That might have happened before any of this ever started. I think Abe had designs on Kara. Well, the wife. Yeah, Aaron's wife. Aaron's wife. I forget what her name is. I think he had designs on her that have muddled everything. In fact, at the airport, you might remember, Aaron says, um, you know, uh, one of the reasons that there's this huge strife is he thinks that Abe is moving in
0: on his family to take over. When did this happen, Steve? I don't remember this in the dialogue. This just goes to show you- Go back and look at the airport scene.
1: It's very subtle, but he says, I, well, I guess uh, something like, I guess you got what you wanted. Or he makes an allusion to the fact that Abe is, is about to move in. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very striking that the little girl would wind up on Abe's lap. Okay. You might, you might dismiss this, but I'm telling you, that is a hint uh, of, of what Abe's underlying desires are. He wants his wife. Okay. And
0: that, that more than anything has led to their estrangement. I just don't remember that in the dialogue. Um that just goes to show you how uh that just goes to show you how naturalistic the dialogue is. When he's looking across the street, yeah. I don't think he's trying
1: to figure out how to fix things. I think he's looking with covetousness on his friend's uh family.
0: No, I think it's the cuz he's not looking at the family, right? Isn't he looking at himself and he's looking at the originals? I'm not sure when it happened. Yeah.
1: I think that he is I th- I think he um, wants to move in, and at the airport scene, you go listen to the airport scene again. There is an illusion to, that Aaron recognizes that Abe desires his wife, and now that he's out of the picture, now that he's leaving, there was some sort of fait accompli that makes Abe's ability to move in and replace Aaron, yeah, more likely.
0: Okay, so I I don't agree with that. I think I'm going to go with the idea that. Abe is just trying to stop the events of the film from ever occurring. Mm-hmm. However, oh boy, here's a really important third whammy here, okay? This is this is the craziest part of the movie and it has to be discussed before we move on. This movie's being narrated, okay? It's actually being narrated by Aaron in what appears to be a phone call and it's explaining kind of like the events of the film. It's Aaron explaining it to Abe. You would assume that because Abe has finally discovered second Aaron, right, traveling in time by himself, you would assume that uh, Abe already knows everything because second Aaron with the earpiece, when Abe goes back in the fake failsafe machine that Aaron built for him, discovers what's going on. You assume he knows what happened. Um, Here's the deal. Second Aaron, Aaron in France, has called Abe to explain something to Abe. There are not two Aaron's. There are three, there are three Aaron's and two Abe's and Abe doesn't know this at the time that him and Aaron are in the airport. Okay. And it's only to be presumed that this phone call occurs after second Aaron has left the airport. So here's the deal. Okay. Here's how I'm going to try and do this in the most sequential way I can think of it. And all from Aaron's point of view, first Aaron wakes up in the morning of the day. Abe tells him about the time travel machine they go time-traveling for a day. First, Aaron finds out about the fail-safe machine. He uses the fail-safe machine. He, first, first, he actually builds a fake fail-safe machine to replace with the fail-safe machine he's about to use, Abe's fail-safe machine. He uses it. He goes back in time. He drugs his younger self, okay? Uh, and I was, yeah, Well, you can call him his younger self, sure, but we'll call him his original self. He drugs his original self. He kind of pretends to go throughout the events of the day with that version of abe um he goes to the party he changes the sequence of events um and then somehow he manages to link back up with the timeline that the time traveling abe is on okay that's one that is one sequence of events however something else occurs second abe uh sort of discovering everything that has occurred so far uh, throughout the events of the movie, um, decides to go back in time one more time. And they show this to you. They actually show this to you on film. So, third Abe walks in to first... Uh, sorry, did I say Abe? Sorry, Aaron. You, you, you oh, sorry. I third meant Aaron. Aaron. Yeah, sorry. So, third Aaron walks in to first Aaron's house... While second Aaron is drugging him, okay, and like pulling him into the attic, uh, third Aaron attacks second Aaron. Uh, this is keep my third Aaron is the Aaron that not only has traveled back in time, drugged his younger self, his original self, fixed the party, seen Abe collapse, right? Like seen Abe use the fake failsafe machine. This is. This is the most recent version of Aaron. This is the most up to date version of Aaron. So Third Aaron literally attacks second Aaron, okay? Second Aaron is the Aaron that travels back in the failsafe machine for the first time. He attacks second Aaron, but third Aaron has traveled so far back in time, because this is the most up-to-date version of Aaron, that he is also too weak to take on second Aaron. I think he says um, he just wanted it more. He just wanted, right, right, right. <laughs> Which is really right. another funny So what moment. happens is the third Aaron explains to second Aaron everything that is going on and tell second Aaron that he needs to leave and it is in fact second Aaron that goes to the airport that day with Abe yeah it's Second. so you're Aaron saying first Aaron is in, attic, is in the attic oh I thought you thought... think thought... of first as the original uh-huh. first is the original second is the one who goes back? Who uses Abe's uh, failsafe machine for the first time? Mm-hmm. Okay, and third is the one who uses it for the first time. Does the events of the day records the events of the day? Um, does the party does the party multiple times? Gets discovered? Gets discovered by Abe? Right after Abe uses the fake failsafe machine. All right. The only difference here is you think that at the airport that it's third Aaron getting on the airplane. It is, in fact, second Aaron. I didn't even know there was a third Aaron to begin with. (laughs) Yeah, because remember that scene? Remember that scene? You see second Aaron drug first Aaron. First Aaron's original Aaron. You see second Aaron drug original Aaron, put him in the attic. Then you see third Aaron attack second Aaron and get defeated, but it's second Aaron who walks out the door with a suitcase and luggage. So here's the deal. After Aaron was discovered by Abe, time traveling right abe uses the fake fail safe machine discovers aaron time traveling uh fixes everything at the party um that aaron decides to go back one more time right so that abe wouldn't be the person who's the furthest back so it's second aaron the the it's the aaron imagine how do i put this it's, well uh, is it are making we too far sense into the week? No, I we're not to, Because this is really important. Okay. This is really important. All right. All right. Imagine Steve, you woke up in the day, you used a time machine. Then you discovered the failsafe. You used that failsafe machine, okay? And you basically, you did the thing at the party. You kept reliving the same day. Lord knows how many times, but enough time to record events, listen to events. Then your friend who traveled with you the first time finds you, okay says, what the hell, man? You've been traveling back in time without me. You're like, yeah, you caught me, but we got to go now because you've caught me. We've got to go do some other stuff. So then you, that person who has already used the first failsafe machine, um, already been traveling back multiple times, goes to the party, okay? Fixes the version of events. However, before the scene at the airport, you managed to get in the failsafe you built that that Aaron built before use Abe's failsafe machine one more time, and instead this time travel back to the exact moment that that you used the failsafe machine the first time. Does that make sense? No. And here is here is a here is a this flaw. is what happened in the movie. Here, here's
1: what, here's a flaw yeah. with the movie.
0: Yeah, you're gonna stop
1: caring after a while. <laughs> okay. As because as much as I love this movie, as much as I love this movie, yeah. this explanation. I, it makes sense. Well, it may make sense. I I, I don't I don't want to put enough uh, I don't want to put enough thought into but does it, make sense it to, to work it out. It I makes, don't, at this point, I'd really. But I does it care. make sense <laughs> to me? It's great. I'm willing to it's... accept. I'm willing to accept. Uh, uh, you know, uh, everything they show right. me. Right? Here's the point.
0: Aaron in France. Second Aaron, the Aaron who that morning traveled back in time for uh, used the failsafe machine for the first time. Gets on an airplane. Gets well. He, oh man. I have to do it. I'm sorry. I have to do it. Aaron, who has been discovered time traveling, uses the failsafe machine one more time to go back to the exact moment that he first used the failsafe machine to explain to that Aaron, who's using the failsafe machine for the first time, to get on a plane and leave. Here's why um, he wants to make sure that he's always further back than Abe because Abe has said he's going to cancel all the events out. And the most up-to-date version of Aaron doesn't want that to happen. However, the Aaron who went to France, which is the Aaron that used the failsafe machine for the very first time that day, and then encountered a version of himself, which is even older, which has been going back in time more, calls Abe and says, listen, there's another Aaron there. There's a third Aaron. You think I'm the only Aaron, and I'm in France, but that's not true. There's another Aaron who's actually with you somewhere right now, who knows everything. That's the point. Okay, but he never
1: actually says that in the phone conversation. He does, although he does say later, um, which I took as a kind of a witty uh, nod to the audience. Yeah, um, I've given, you, I've paid back what I owed you by telling you this story. Yeah, that's the point. He's telling. Uh, I, I, right. I, I thought that was more for the audience. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's ape. No, no, I'm, I'm yeah. not saying literally, yeah. but it meant to be a, ha, have a double meaning.
0: I'm going to send um, you this article. I'm going to link problem, it. The problem,
1: the, here is
0: the problem with, yeah.
1: that uh, can clutter so many science fiction movies, and that is the plot gets in the way of the story. I disagree. No, no. I'm, I'm sure you, you, you obviously are fascinated yeah. by it. and it, like, like I said, I liked it because it was a puzzle, but I'm only willing to take that puzzle so far. Um I, I think they they went maybe a bridge too far. I love we, it. They they allude to the yeah. fact that um at one point the the the, uh, the Aaron that makes the recording says I like to think that we were just one more t- one more one more chance away and we would have gotten the party to work out right. That suggests to me that the party actually never does work out right. Not only that, but maybe the last
0: time Something terrible happened. Well, he doesn't know because that Aaron on the recording, the Aaron that went to France, mm-hmm. is the Aaron that traveled back in the failsafe machine for the very first time and then ran into a version of himself that has already traveled back in the failsafe machine, traveled back many times, been to the party many times, and has convinced him not to actually do anything, but in fact to get on an airplane and leave. He doesn't know. He has no idea. The Aaron in France and the Aaron on the phone call and the Aaron who is warning the second version of Abe that there's actually a third Aaron out there uh, has no idea about anything that occurred after he used the fail-safe machine except for what the third Aaron has told him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Again, you've lost me and I, and
1: and 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 I'm I'm almost getting I'm not annoyed with you, but yeah. I'm getting annoyed with the demands on <laughs> the demands on my intellectual process. To, to go through this. And that is a weakness of many science fiction movies. And I think this movie fell prey to it.
0: It's great if you, you know, if you, if you delve in. Well, are you, you only mad because of the third Aaron revelation? <laughs> well, this, not, not, not Did not you necessarily know there was mad? a third Aaron before I brought it up? No, no. Well, actually, I had no idea
1: how many. I, I thought there, there eventually could be endless number of, of Aaron's and age. But how would that scene?
0: Was, how would that scene where you literally see uh, Aaron drug his original self and then fight another version of himself. Make any sense? There's clearly three Aarons in the same scene. Why well, I, I didn't see that? I actually I thought that
1: after one has fought and defeated the other, yeah. that they came to an understanding. No. Uh, again, again, I don't know. But see, and this is man, and maybe uh for people who are willing to dig deep enough, it has its rewards. But you, uh, I, my guess is you're alienating far more viewers than um, you're reeling in. I like it. I like okay, that they that did it. Great. I like that there's never any layers. Now, once I go back and read some of the stuff, you know, yeah. I, I may come to the same conclusion. I, I, I decide I'm not trying to be self-righteous or anything. I decided I just wanted to read the synopsis. I didn't want to get into the...
0: No, oh. you got to get into the weeds. The mm-hmm. weeds are... Here's where I fundamentally disagree with you. The weeds are what makes are what make the movie special. It's the weeds. That's what's so great now, about see, the movie. Now we're going to get into a debate, because yeah. you always said it's not the plot,
1: it's yeah. the story. Everything the I've people. ever
0: said about <laughs> movies does not apply here. Does yet. not apply here. Can we just make that clear? Anything okay. I have—character development, uh-huh. uh, emotion, um, a plot you can follow, it's all out the window here. Well,
1: it's funny. My, for me, yeah. the movie backloads the emotion. The movie backloads what it's really about. It feels rushed, although I do think that was intentional. This movie accelerates yeah. at the end, lightning speed. Um, the, the shorter the time remaining, the more they 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 they, um, they, they push in, and not just plot either. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a sense of betrayal. Yeah, who you can trust, what the movie is really about. Yeah, and, and I think that's a really nifty uh,
0: idea. But at some point, I felt adrift as a as an avid poker of holes. Uh I find that the more complicated a movie usually gets, the more holes you can poke into it. And this is the first time I've ever seen a movie that is not only extremely complicated, maybe the most complicated movie I've ever seen, but seemingly without holes. That, to me, is fascinating. It's an achievement. It ought to be celebrated that you can create a kind of puzzle like that where everything fits together. I would have to, before I could even concede that point,
1: I would have to go through it and, in, you know, enjoy yeah. it as a puzzle once I finished it. You, you, can't, ha- you can't enjoy a Rubik's Cube in, yeah. unless all the colors are on the same side. Yeah. But then I'm going to have to wonder, was it worth my learning how to use that Rubik's Cube? Yeah. Was it worth the time spent? Okay, you, well, that, you think it did. That's like already
0: ninety minutes on primer. Um, <laughs> I I do not, and there's uh, so
1: much more. We I don't so I don't, I I I don't blame about.
0: anybody for basically pausing the podcast here <laughs> and finishing the rest tomorrow. Um, but we're going <laughs> to continue on. But before we continue on, bad pitches. And Steve, I say there's about a seventy-nine percent chance we have the almost half of the same pitch. All right. Uh, why don't you do your pitch? Okay, sure? Because I think that half of our pitches are going to be exactly the same. Okay. And if I do mine first, that means that yours is going to seem redundant to mine. Go, I, 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 okay. I'll brace myself. All right, so mine is, uh, you know, I decided not to do a bad pitch. I decided to do a pitch where if I'm Shane Carruth and I'm trying to sell this movie, uh-huh. how do I sell it? Like, honestly, I decided, you know, I think bad pitches work when a movie even if it hasn't been successful, has some financial backing, I don't think it's fair to give a bad pitch to a movie that probably relied on its pitch so much, right? Like, like really, these guys are desperate to sell this movie because it's so different. So I said um, The Blair Witch Project meets 2001 A Space Odyssey. Is that your exact pitch? It is nothing like mine. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I, I would have figured that, two, that, that Blair Witch Project would have... Well, actually,
1: it... it um... I don't think... Maybe it isn't. Maybe it is somewhat related. My bad pitch was Back to the Future Part 2. Ooh. Not Back to the Future yeah, 1, which is all heart. Back to the Future 2 is all plot, but what a plot.
0: Yeah, right. Absolutely.
1: You know? Uh, meets Mulholland Drive.
0: Oh, that's really good.
1: <laughs> which also kind of delves that's in alternate a, universes that's and time traveling. That's also a bad traveling. pitch. That's also a really <laughs> bad pitch. <laughs> it is an awful pitch. But um, I, I always found Mulholland Drive, despite... Uh, um, being it, a, it's indecipherable, fascinating movie, yeah. Fa- absolutely fascinating. I, I became obsessed with it. I kept watching yeah. it over and over again, uh, and can never figure it out yeah. all the way. Uh, but it was a hell of a, a hell of a neat uh, puzzle. But it also has an emotional resonance that, yeah. that none of these movies have. That neither uh, Back to the Future Two or well, Two Thousand One can, com- can I compliment you? Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> I know I didn't laugh. But I think that's your best bad pitch ever. It just works so well, and it's also not a good pitch. No, it's not, it's not a good pitch. It's like uh-huh. a movie nobody
1: wants to see. <laughs> I, no, you couldn't sell this. There's no way yeah, you could sell it. I this. named
0: a movie that, like, I, I'm in the room. I'm Shane Carruth. I'm trying to sell my movie. Like, uh-huh. I'm saying, imagine if The Blair Witch Project was also, like, 2001 Space Odyssey. That's a good pitch. That's, like, a maybe how you sell the movie pitch, because Blair Witch Project made a lot of money, and 2001 is highly, you know, critically esteemed. Yours well, is fine. excellent because it works, and it's also a bad pitch. I had a hard time with this one. Because also, Blair Witch Project felt like really on the nose, but I went with it anyways. Um, mm-hmm. But I decided to excuse myself by saying I would do a good pitch. Like a pitch if I were Shane Carruth. I think okay. you have nothing to be, ap- uh,
1: uh, to, to be ashamed of, and, I, and I, I do like your pitch.
0: Okay, any final words before we move on? I want to do quotes. Oh my god. There are. This is like the least quotable movie ever. Ah, but
1: there was kind of a nifty quote. Okay. This is, I think, uh, I can't even say it's the first time they travel, travel back, because at this point, I have no idea when that was the first time travel back, but I think it was uh, Abe says to Aaron, um, this is after, you know, they, they've, they've sat in the hotel room for a long time, man, are you hungry? I haven't eaten since later this afternoon. <laughs> I thought that was funny. That's funny. I never well, even, I thought it was hilarious. I never even caught that. <laughs> I thought it was very witty. Do you have any others? Um well only the theme Now, this is a serious one and it's, yes. it's 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 a theme what's worse thinking you're paranoid or knowing you should be i think that pretty think, much encapsulates a big chunk wait, wait, of what which this is
0: uh, when you say thinking you're paranoid or knowing you should be which is worse what do you mean by that question because i think it's no no that's that's a quote from the the movie oh remember they're at the gas
1: station pump right. and they're talking about this and they and and he says I think Aaron, Aaron is the one who says it. And and again, he could be like the second Aaron. He said, what's worse, thinking you're paranoid or knowing you should be. Okay. Which
0: by now, he probably knows he should be. Yeah. So I have, I have, well, by the way, I think Aaron is the most paranoid because third Aaron, third Aaron will not allow Abe to be any further back than himself. That's why third Aaron exists. Just think of it that way. Okay. Um. I will get you on the third Aaron bandwagon before I'm <laughs> okay. done. By the way, I have a question. Yeah, what the hell does <laughs> evasipate
1: mean? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> They're playing. they in order to kill time after yeah. they they've, they've discovered their um, their trades. Uh, they, they play. What what is it called? That little tile game where you figure out uh, names. He comes up with. Evacuate. I looked that 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 word up, and that does not exist. If okay. it does, it says it's a proper noun. Might be you a science use.
0: term. There's a lot of scientific terms. Yeah, but you're
1: not allowed to use um, proper nouns in um, in in uh, that, that game. So,
0: any other questions? Uh, no, it. it's a fascinating. Yeah. I, I don't want us to scare off people. No, no, this movie's great. You know? This movie's great. But I personally believe that talking about the movie in some ways is more enjoyable than even watching it. I really do. I think that finding nerds for this movie and doing what we just did—I mean, this was the most plot-heavy discussion we've ever had. Yeah. And I found it really enjoyable because I like debating them. All. Nobody really knows.
1: Neither one of us uh, thinks uh, plot is the most important. Now, no. I've always said what comes next is is the most is the key to sc- uh, screenwriting, but only in regards to. to, to uh you know uh motivation human behavior
0: yeah absolutely it's just but this movie begs to be discussed yes it It begs it begs to be debated okay puzzle can we please move on yes (laughs) all right it's about time oh (laughs) god damn it steve God damn it all right so uh, you're the worst Um, i'm terrible you guys didn't see this but he had like a twinkle in his eye because he knows that our next movie is about time from the creator of Love Actually. i Tim. I'm Mary. That's my mother's name. I remind you of your mother? Son,
1: there's this family secret. The men can travel in time. Wow. I love your eyes. I haven't even looked further down, but I'm sure it's all fantastic. This November comes a celebration of life.
0: My son. My dad. Love. He'll be better next time. And laughter. Well done. Some people make a real mess of it the first time. <sighs> amateurs about time starts november 1st everywhere november 8th okay so uh you have to clarify that <laughs> well yeah so now you've just heard the trailer uh because i realized after i set up the trailer that uh it still didn't seem exactly correct we're talking about the romantic comedy time traveling movie quote, about about time quote unquote. about time unquote, yes. unquote right <laughs> I actually because it's a movie it should be italics should it I, beg I beg your um, pardon um I think novels are quotes and movies are italics. There is some sort of grammatical rule here. Uh, Here's what I want to say. About Time is the inverse of Primer. I cannot say it in any other way. About Time is the most uh, (laughs) plot-holy, non-serious time travel movie you'll ever see. I mean, it's, it's, it's also very enjoyable, in my opinion. I like About Time. The, the, the it's also human. It's human. It's a human movie. It's got emotion oh, to it.
1: It's very, uh, very yeah. human. There were some points where I thought in um, Primer you could swap the characters and there wouldn't be a big difference. That's Although right. Although I like the I like the actors, and there 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 is a difference, but it's not a huge difference. Yeah. Um, you, you, they're not exactly stretching. All right. Why don't you give us the stats about time? It was released November eighth, twenty thirteen. I think it I think it aspired to Oscar buzz um and we'll we'll find out why in just a moment it runs two hours and three minutes and it is rated r even though it's it's a much more mild sweet-tempered movie than what we just saw the yeah. what we just, primer was pg-13 this is R basically for because it's
0: never about content it's just about cussing it's <laughs> all it's about. She's about cussing.
1: Yes, I I, I think uh, they use uh, the word fuck promiscuously in this movie. Well, not promiscuously, not like a Tarantino Well, they're movie. English, so yes. you know. It was written and directed by Richard Curtis. Now, Richard Curtis is the master of the romantic comedy. He hasn't directed all that many, but he has written... All of the terrific uh, you know, uh romantic comedies. He he he, he direct. he, he wrote uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, which somebody else directed, Notting Hill, Bridget Jones Diary. Wait, he
0: wrote Notting Hill?
1: He wrote Notting Hill
0: and what a Shit. wonderful because my bad pitch is oh. Notting Hill meets primer. So the whole reason I made us do primer first was because my bad pitch was Notting Hill meets Primer. And you didn't primer. want to give it a- <laughs> and i couldn't make set i couldn't make that bad pitch unless we had talked about primer first now but that just ch- shows you you have such an ear for uh you know no nah, uh, you give me too much credit it's just they were both english <laughs> english romantic comedies i can only name two english romantic comedies <laughs> he also wrote a movie called the the tall guy okay that's a terrible name is have that you ever, what, have you ever heard is you that Jeff goldblum
1: yes yeah Funny. It has one of the funniest lines I've ever heard. Jeff Goldblum is speaking to Roland Atkin. Um, I'm going to do a set a, a, another offshoot. Roland Atkin did created the the character Bean, Mister yeah. Bean. Guess who produced and uh, wrote uh, the TV series Mister Bean? Richard Curtis, the, the guy who wrote and directed this movie. Um, uh, 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 Jeff Goldblum gets angry at his boss, played by Richard Atkin, and <laughs> he says one of the one of the great angry put downs of all time. I hope all your children have little dicks, including the
0: girls. <laughs> all right, I, have a, I just love that. I, I it have funny. a question. This yeah. is totally unrelated. Is Jeff Goldblum the handsome version of Woody Allen who actually couldn't be a leading man? So Woody Allen was a leading man. Is you Jeff Goldblum Hollywood's attempt to make a handsome version of Woody Allen, but it turned out that he, could, that he wasn't the leading man that Woody Allen was? That's interesting. You, if that were true,
1: then at some point, Woody Allen would have cast uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum in one of his movies as his alter ego. Yeah. Which, as he got older, yeah. he started casting um, other, at Kenneth Branagh yeah. and um, uh, that Michael schmuck Caine. from uh, American American uh, American Pie that Jason Biggs. Oh. in one and, and he, kept, he kept casting and, and the guy who played in social media um jesse eisenberg uh, jesse eisenberg these guys now interestingly one of goldblum's very first roles was one line in annie hall yeah i, knew I forgot that. my mantra
0: so, so, so i have a question then is jeff goldblum's career woody allen's biggest victory the fact oh. that they tried to recreate woody allen but handsome and it didn't work uh-huh. i like jeff goldblum But let's be real, he's he's always been a supporting actor for the most part. But you know what? He's been the lead in some movies. They have
1: tried. uh, That that John Landis movie with Michelle Pfeiffer tried
0: to make him a romantic lead, um, Into the Night. Yeah, he's been in extremely Mm. successful movies. I mean, God, he was in Jurassic Park and Independence Day and played major parts in both movies. But he's not the marquee name. No, but he was in the sequel to Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Great movie, by the way, but let's be real. On any Steven Spielberg movie, the marquee name is Steven Spielberg, unless... It stars Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise, <laughs> but nevertheless,
1: he, he did get the he did have the lead. They could have they could have gone after um, you know the the the, the yeah. other guy played by Sam uh, Neil. Neil,
0: but they waited for the third one. And after it, in Spielberg fact, walked away. they had to bring Jeff Goldblum back to life in order to do it. So it's it's interesting. Um, Jeff Goldblum's character dies in Jurassic Park the book, but lives through the movies. Anyways, hmm. we're getting off topic. Uh, any more stats on about time? Uh no. Uh, oh he, another interesting he helped adapt the movie War
1: Horse for Steven Spielberg, uh Richard Curtis. I like the, I like War Horse. The movie cost 12 million dollars and it didn't make a lot of money in North America. It made only 15 million. So in North America yeah. it's kind of a flop, although worldwide it did pretty good, 87 million dollars, probably a lot in England. Uh the tagline is not much of a tagline. A new funny film about love with a bit of time travel. I think it's a little too explicit. That's a terrible tagline. Yeah, it's too explicit and not very clever. It's
0: like not even a tagline. It's like <laughs> a plot summary. Okay, speaking of plot summary, should I give one or you got more stats?
1: Well, I just wanted to mention the stars. I can't stand names when I'm reading a book that I can't pronounce. And okay. I can't pronounce this guy's first name. Dom Dominic. Or is it Domino? Mm-mm, It's nothing like that. Dom Hall. Dom Hall. Dom, no. I can't pronounce the damn first name. Tell me about the guy from
0: Star Wars, the main character. Yeah, yeah. I
1: thought
0: it was Domnall. Dom Dom Hall. Also, Rachel McAdams. He's Bill a Gleason, by the way. We got to make this clear. He's a Gleason. He's uh-huh. Brendan Gleason's son. I didn't know that. Famous actor Brendan I Gleason. I had no idea that he was yeah. Brendan
1: Gleason's son. He doesn't look very much like him. Well, he's not fat. Wow. <laughs> yeah, maybe if, if Brendan Gleason dropped a few pounds. Yeah, clowns. it's
0: Domnall. Domnall. Domnall.
1: Yeah. That's not easy to pronounce cuz he, he throws in an h there. Yeah, well, you um, know, they're Irish. <laughs> anyway, um Bill Nighy who has he, he's he's a great actor. Yeah. But he, he they always seem to cast him as the lovable um uh you know, kind of absent-minded sweetheart or the cold-blooded killer. Okay, he's usually <laughs> he's a, great at both. He's usually a
0: cat. He's kind of like a I think he you know, can be a rogue in Richard Curtis's
1: other movie, Love Actually, which yeah. he wrote. I and mean, I think he actually wrote and directed Love mm-hmm. Actually.
0: Yeah, he, he plays a wonderful vice-loving cad. Well, this, this is his best role, in my opinion, that I've seen him in. And I like the Warwick trilogy where he plays a spy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is his best role. Um, if he ever had a chance to kind of like break out with American audiences, it should have been this role. Rachel McAdams is also in it uh what's her name from the series rome Lindsay duncan great actress she's Lindsay in it. duncan yeah and w- who does she play in she plays the mom she oh played... right she, she was in uh
1: birdman she played the critic yeah,
0: yeah yeah she was the critic in birdman i always think of her as servilia C- uh, from rome though oh. um and she's also also this movie also stars tom hollander in a
1: desperately needed uh nasty cynic of a friend
0: i actually didn't like his character
1: he is so important to this movie i, I thought he was you know. too much um anyways god they needed him. it's
0: also got the <laughs> actress who played young margaret on the crown she's the best friend to rachel mcadams that's right and i didn't even mention um the biggest star in this movie who only who was only in there for a few minutes and that's uh uh yes. margot Robbie. yeah uh, before she hit it big yeah okay so let's talk about the plot of the movie the plot of the movie is this there's a young english man what's his name Do you remember the character's Oh my gosh. You know, I don't. I don't remember. I can tell you. Anyway, so there's there's a young... Actually, we got about time right here on my phone. Will it tell me his name was Tim? Okay. So there's a young Englishman, Tim. It's like New Year's Eve. He's like... How old is he? 21? He turns 21 when his father yes yeah, so i was surprised for him all right so he turns 21 and his father tells him the next day uh that apparently all the men in their family have have a superpower basically which is they can time travel what they do is they have to go into a small room a small space like a closet uh clench their fists close their eyes and think of a very specific time period in their life they can only go back to when they've been around they can't go into someone else's life um and then when they come out of that space, they will be in that time period, including their clothes will have changed to whatever they were wearing that day. Uh, and the, they'll be that youthful, I guess. Yeah, no. and the character—you know, the movie does something really clever, which it starts with the New Year's Eve party, in which um, the character, Tim, there's a young lady who clearly kind of, like, wants to kiss him when the, when the ball strikes midnight. And he gets nervous, and he, like, shakes her hand, and then he's, like, ashamed about it the next day. His father tells him about the time traveling, and he's like, you're lying. Like, why are you lying to me like this? Like, what kind of crazy joke is this? He's like, trust me. Like, go into that closet. The dad's telling him this. Think of the time, and you'll time travel. And the guy's like, all right, I'm going to this closet. He's like, but I'm going to be really mad when I come out, and you're laughing at me. Goes into the closet. He thinks about the New Year's Eve party, in which he embarrassed himself by not kissing this girl. Comes out. It's the New Year's Eve party. He's like, oh, my God, it's true. The clock strikes midnight he kisses the girl passionately she's super happy he goes back into the closet th- goes forward back in time to when his dad just told him about you know time traveling he goes oh my god we can time travel he goes you know what have you done with your time traveling And the dad's like well i'm one of the most well-read people in human history <laughs> he's like i've read almost every book ever written he's like he's like i'm a master of the classics and then the character you know so the father says what are you gonna do with all this time traveling he goes well I'm going to try and get a girlfriend. And the character Tim moves to London. Uh, He meets Rachel McAdams, who he basically falls in love with. And through a series of clever plot machinations, he actually uses time travel uh, to sort of get to know her better. And I was actually thinking I was watching it. I'm not sure this movie would uh, withstand the Me Too movement, the way that he manipulates events to actually not only become her boyfriend, but have sex with her. Um, I don't... I think this movie, upon the 2021 scrutiny, would probably not survive. That being said, I actually think that's ridiculous. I think this movie should survive the 2021 scrutiny, but I don't think it would. Um, I hated this movie, but not for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I've got
1: no problems with it. <laughs> All right, let's start. There. I I did not give uh I did not give Sam a clue as to the fact how I felt. So I thought the time was right to drop the bomb. Oh, was it about time? About time. Yeah, like like I hate your <laughs> your wordplay, your wordplay puns. No. Uh No, I uh this movie bugs the shit out of me. <laughs> Please go on. The first time he travels back in time. Yeah. Like you said, it's the New Year's Eve party. Yeah. Right? And uh what does he do? What does he use for his time travel? He lays one on this poor, insecure girl. But she wanted him to kiss right, her. Right. Do you remember what she said after so he kissed said, her? She said,
0: thanks to Right.
1: Me. Do you remember what he said? You're welcome? You're welcome. Where the
0: fuck <laughs> does he get
1: off saying, you're welcome? <laughs> yes, yeah, that's stupid. Hit, that, he, he just said, thank you. He just subtracted all the good things he did by going back there. This scene underlines... I don't want to say a smugness throughout the movie. There's a little smugness in this movie. <laughs> well, they're English. The reason there's no more smugness in this movie is because everybody's nice. They're not kind, which the father says is the biggest thing. You must be kind. They're not kind. They're nice. Okay. This movie wants me to... want. Well, I want to blow my brains out. have mm-hmm. <laughs> I watched this movie two times yeah. to verify whether I hated these characters as much as I did. Look, Richard Curtis, he's a he's a craftsman, right? Yeah. You're. I liked this movie, okay, <laughs> and I hated it at the same time. You respect it? That it's well crafted. I, no, no, I don't res- i I acknowledge it's well crafted. I don't respect it. <laughs> he used his craft. He, wa- he wasn't being mean. He wasn't trying to hurt people. But he has flattened everything out to this insipid uh, niceness that's enough to make you want to dr- run somebody over with a car. Steve, have you seen Ted
0: Lasso? <laughs> no. Boy, don't watch <laughs> Ted Lasso. Hey, you know what? I'm oh I'm fine. Have you heard of Ted Lasso? Yes, I have. Ted Lasso is wonderful. Ted Lasso makes this movie look like the usual suspects. Let me ask you something.
1: Yeah, is Ted Lasso almost exclusively populated by nice
0: people? Yes, Ted Lasso is excruciating. Everybody, even even the players who 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 the coach talks to, no antagonists.
1: You need antagonists. You need conflict. You need something to fight back against. The only thing he's fighting. Against is time. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with it? it? It well, in the first place, it subtracts human interaction. He is very manipulative.
0: Well, yeah, I mean,
1: he, he has was, he he is the uh, he he has all these great good intentions. Yeah. right. He blows. He has this very charming first date, and that's where his craft. This is where Richard Curtis craftsmanship yeah. comes in. I fully acknowledge. Okay. Yeah. That uh. He has written a wonderful, charming scene where they first meet, yeah. very cleverly, in a bar, specialty bar, where you go in with uh there's no light. Yeah. So whomever you, you wind up with, you have to get along with, and
0: you don't know what they are uh, What they look like. They look it's like. pitch black. The waiters are actually blind, um, and you sit at a table with people you don't know. By the way, first plot hole of the movie is right here. Um, so basically what happens is— um, uh, the main character Tim, he sits at this table, talks to a charming young woman played by Rachel McAdams, who we can't actually see. He basically, falls in love with her at the table. He then uh, gets her number once they all go outside and realize that they're both attractive and gorgeous. Um, Gets her number, goes back home. He's super happy to get this gorgeous girl's number. He meets the guy he's living with at the time, who's a friend of his father. The friend of his father is a playwright. Turns out the playwright's debut play was a disaster because one of his lead actors forgot their lines. So uh, Tim, who's in such a great mood, decides he's going to fix that too. Goes back in time, goes to the play, uh, fixes the like, reminds the the actor of his line, saves the play, and then's like, okay, well, now let me call that girl, and realizes by doing that he never went to the restaurant. Now he could go back, but then that would screw the guy's play, right? Because right. they occur at the same they time. Occur at now, the same you time.
1: think that he could probably have worked something oh, dude, out? I would have just, to... just gone back again.
0: I would have just gone back again
1: and said, "Screw this screw guy! the I don't play. Care. The guy's a jerk! <laughs> the guy's an asshole! He he's not even nice to Tim." Tom Hollander is, I think, Hollander. Uh, I think is, is his name. Um, he 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 often plays these kind of uh, roles, and he's he's wonderful at them. Or he plays he's very acerbic. Yeah. Very, um, you know, uh, he, he's got a nasty word yeah. for something, and he's the only you cling to every time he comes on saying, "Please shut somebody down." There's this hilarious scene where he's at a wedding, yeah. of his of his good friend, and. Uh, uh, somebody comes up to him and asks for his autograph, and he, and he balls her out. Yeah. And, and and his friend comes up and says, oh, that's my aunt. Well,
0: fuck. People shouldn't wear name tags at these things. <laughs> he doesn't even apologize. I love that character. By the way, plot hole. I've already discovered another one. Why would Tim do this for this guy? The guy's a nasty jerk to him. He doesn't like, well, well you know. He should have gone right back in time and said, you know what? Like, he never should have... Once he realized it was either or, mm-hmm. he could either fix the play or get the girl's number.
1: Yes, it's, it's implausible gone, hey, that he would pick a uh, you
0: know, hundred. There is yeah. no way he would let this. you would keep this guy's career going after how nasty the guy has been to everybody. Not only that, in order to remedy right. it, he tracks her down. He tracks so this know, lovely I, I know, young lady down. Wait, 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 wait! I didn't even get to my plot hole that I wanted to oh, get okay. to. I'm sorry. So, in order to figure out who she was, he goes to the restaurant to be like, "Hey." Did a gorgeous brunette woman and her blonde friend come in here? And the guy's like, well, yes, they did. And he's like, what's their names? And the guy's like, the guy's like I don't know. They paid cash. How could they pay cash in the dark? <laughs> I think of it. Was pitch black. To a blind, to a blind man. <laughs> to a blind man, no doubt. But even themselves, like, imagine but, the blind and man. Was, says, they didn't need to do that because he's, he, what is he, a cop? Only, he,
1: can't, he can't require yeah. that they turn over the, the credit the card The only bill. way
0: it works is if the blind man says to them, "It'll be eighteen dollars," and then you say, "Good thing I've only got a twenty on me. Here's a very small tip." <laughs> Otherwise, sick. it doesn't work. No. Otherwise, it doesn't work. It really because th- imagine it was eighteen dollars and you've got a fifty. You're not going to say, "Keep the change," That's right? True. And the blind man can't make change of it because the the, <laughs> the money's not braille, right? Pl- another plot all those movies full of them. It it. it, it it may be intentional they may say
1: you know what I don't care about the plot holes that's not what we're here for and that is true yeah All right. so so when when you're picking at the plot holes and and, and I figured out another one too
0: I can't believe you're getting me to insult a movie I like (laughs) and I picked yes hold on though hold on though we gotta get to the 2021 thing because this is important so he's desperately trying to find this girl one thing he knows about her from his conversation at dinner is that she loves Kate Moss turns out that there's a Kate Moss exhibit at some art gallery I don't know why Kate (laughs) Moss doesn't appear to me to be that important and he basically sits at this exhibit every single day waiting for her to show up she eventually does show up he really clumsily introduces himself to her because at first he forgets that she doesn't even know him he basically like interviews her on everything she likes Uh, and then it turns out that like in the time since the restaurant and this time she's actually somehow found a boyfriend so he then asks her like when did you meet the guy she's like at a party he's like when was the party she was like two days ago he's like what time she's like this time he's like where she's like this house dude you're creepy he's like great see you later goes back in time and basically finds her before the uh the other guy can find her to become her boyfriend and he basically like says, hello, by the way, I know everything you're interested in. Like, here's me being super charming and, like, sharing all this common ground with you. You love Kate Moss. Like, he's, he's not, like, doing it in a way that gives away he's a time traveler, but he's basically using all of his knowledge of her to get her out of the party and eventually into bed. He takes her out to dinner where he does more of the same, and then he sleeps with her. Here's my question, and I hate that I'm about to insult a movie I like. <laughs> if instead of time traveling... If he had just been spying on her the last three days, right? If he had been using binoculars and microphones to record her private conversations and like intimate moments, is it any worse or better? (laughs) Isn't it the same thing? He has basically monitored monitored her without her knowledge through the use of time travel to get her into bed. How is it any different than spying on her? Well, I hate to defend this movie.
1: But... He did enough at that first date. To, uh, God, uh, please, don't, please don't send me hateful letters to stake his claim. <laughs> but he spied
0: on her to figure out where she was going to be at a very specific moment in her life. Only an instant means.
1: He had already fallen in love with her. He did the groundwork. Oh, so the he ground found her work. first. He,
0: he, did, he did the groundwork. He made her... All right, let me ask you a question then. Uh-huh. Let's say he went out to dinner with her. She gave him his number. They fell in love. At, like, they, they really liked each other at the dinner. She gave him his number. He wrote it down wrong. Then he ran into her uh, a couple days later, and it turned out she met another guy. I oh, was so sorry. I really liked you, but I actually just ran to this guy. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, where does this guy live? Um, well, he lives at this place. Okay, or let's just say he let's just say he lies to her and says, "Well, you know, I saw that guy. He was actually making out with another girl. He should come with me." Like, how is it any different? Well, that would require a
1: lie, which would be uh, a dishonesty. I, I get what you're saying. What he's doing, yeah. It's It's pretty darn creepy, but not. Here's the problem. Here's the biggest problem with it, because you know you're willing to extend to him a little bit of latitude because he did kind of get screwed out of you know a a, you know a, a relationship. Here's the problem. She never
0: would have she, she would not have never would have tolerated this. Yeah, of course she not. She would never have he tolerated this. He never tells this. her in the entire movie that he's a time traveler and the way he met her was by using his time traveling abilities mm. to completely manipulate the entire course of her life. Think about this. He manipulated the entire course of her life. She might have been happier with the other guy. They kind of imply she's a jerk.
1: He he, he makes he gives a uh, an affectionate nickname. He's a, even though they've known each other for like a, yes. uh, 3 days, he's given her an affectionate nick- nickname which she okay. cautions him about. That tells the audience, what if he was a nice that guy? That tells the audience, yeah, they're not
0: Not only if he was a nice guy, but what if the next woman he met was a serial killer, who killed him?
1: Right. Then, consequentially, is... this movie is indifferent to anyone who is not in this small circle of friends. <laughs> they are completely well. We, we mentioned already, uh, right? Uh, uh, an instance where you know, who, who cares what happens to that person? Who cares what happens to this guy? Maybe it maybe he becomes suicidal because he never finds a love. Yeah. On a deeper moment, I don't know if we want to go there quite yet. Is what happens when your child changes?
0: <laughs> you think he did the wrong thing? Here's the thing. All right, so let's let's get into it. Let me describe right. the plot because you're not used to plot descriptions. Um, you're <laughs> just a long winded windbag. By the way, that's like the that's the pot calling the kettle black right there. Um. So he's got a Tim has a sister who's troubled and. She's got a bad relationship. The only villain of the movie is this guy's, bo- this girl's boyfriend, um, and they pay, they spend almost no time on him, none at all, none at all. <laughs> but basically, her and her boyfriend are having troubles. It's the day of his son, you no, know, his daughter's first birthday party, and basically his sister gets drunk drives her car to the party and crashes and gets really banged up. So Tim decides he's going to save his sister by going back in time with her to the very night she met this guy, which also so happens to be the New Year's Eve party the movie opens on, and gets her to avoid meeting the guy. But as a result of basically completely correcting the course of her life, when he gets back to the present time, his daughter is no longer his daughter. In fact, he has a son. And the explanation given by his father is that he went so far back that by the time he impregnated his wife, um, it was a different semen, which produced a different child.
1: I've actually thought about that. I have actually thought about when I thought about traveling backwards— if you go past uh, the inception of your child, anything you do, even the slightest, e- even if you even if it delayed lovemaking for five seconds, it's going to be a different kid. It yeah, also doesn't make any sense. That. He
0: went so far back it could have uh, it could have altered uh, numerous courses. Uh, oh, courses of events by
1: going. So,
0: no question by going uh, that far back, some people will not be born. Yeah, he may not even have met his wife. I mean, mm. it's, it's ludicrous that he could go now, that far back, and the only thing that changed mm-hmm. was the sex of his child. Right. Yeah, yeah, but, but probably but o- was, other things. Let's That's get the, to the only thing that we that Let's get to the, so the moral decision here. Once by he, the
1: way, before you do that, I, I want to point out another <laughs> a plot hole. A plot hole. When the brother and sister go back to... By the way, the brother and sister go back with each other. Yeah. They hold on. Uh, he he actually informs her and lets her know. Yeah. They hold hands in that closet. They go back. And, he, and uh, they're both in, uh, you know, conspire not to develop this relationship with this abusive guy. When they come back, as soon as they come back, she knows how her life turned out, right? Yeah. She knows that, he, that she's met his best friend, right? How come uh, uh, Tim doesn't know he's got a
0: son instead of a daughter? It's a thousand percent... <laughs> A plot hole. Okay, Um, but that's not even what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is the fact that uh, Tim, once he sees his daughter is not his daughter anymore. It's a young son. Keep in mind, I'm a parent. It's like like a death. It's like a death. It's like your child has died. Like, if my child, if I came home and my son was a little girl who I didn't know, it would be like, my son has died. I don't know this little girl. So he decides that he's going to go back in time and stop himself from taking his sister back in time so that his daughter will remain his daughter. And this is the issue you seem to have moral quandary with. <laughs> Not a moral quandary. It's a pothole. Well, he, here's the thing. Um, now you said the point he, of yeah. that
1: is, the, yeah. the po- whole point of that sequence is sometimes you, you know you can't magically fix problems. Yeah. You have to fix them yourself. Yeah. Okay. A valid point as far as it goes, however trite it may be. Um, but... Uh, it just drives me crazy. Even the um the now married pair, Tim and I forget what her name was, uh, they sit there. They they literally sit there by her bed for days on end until she discovers uh you know uh the truth that she can never one she can never see this guy this terrible guy again. She needs to stop drinking. She needs to stay with her jobs. She needs to, to write herself.
0: This movie is full of a lot of triteness. It is just it's just wrapped up in crap. You mean alcoholism and trauma isn't like wrapped up in a few days? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it, it's almost like it, it's taken
1: its intellectual sensibilities from a sitcom. Okay. That that that's how shallow this movie is. It's too craftsmanlike and the actors are too good not to be engaged in them. No question about that.
0: Here's... But what they've
1: done is trivialize virtually everything.
0: Let me defend some things here. Uh, even... By the way,
1: Rachel McAdams is wildly miscast in this role. Yeah, Charming she as
0: she is. I thought the same thing because they do so much to make her homely when yeah. she's more like Margot Robbie than she is like the character she plays. In, in a way... They basically like give her bangs. In, in a like, way,
1: she, she's more... I think she's more appealing than Mar- Margot Robbie, at least in this movie. Because mm. she's, what she's what so mean, accessible. Re- no, I mean in real life. In real life, yeah. Her, yeah. That face... That face, men stab
0: other men for I that face. I think it was the movie Scary Movie. There, there there, was some sort of parody movie where uh, it was either a scary movie or not another teen comedy. It was stupid movies. But they did point out something really funny, which was like, there's a character and she's got glasses. And then they're like, I wouldn't go to the prom with her. She's got glasses. And then someone takes the glasses off and she's like, oh my God, <laughs> she's Gorgeous! And what this movie does, they give, they give Rachel McAdams librarian bangs to make her cutesy and not hot. Yes. Uh, when in fa- D- During the restaurant scene, she says she looks like a squirrel. She says her hair is brown. Just yeah. just brown. And, and she looks like a squirrel because they intended to make her look like a squirrel. Because like, she really looks like a supermodel. Yes. Not a supermodel, but she's a gorgeous woman. I agree, she's miscast. Um, let me defend the movie a little bit. For starters, I'm upset. I'm upset that you're making good points. The reason I'm upset, and I kind of feel, you know, you and I, we have a friend named Pat. Pat, give me a shout out if you're listening. And one time Pat came up to me and he said, you know, it was a great movie, uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7. And I lit into him. I said, that's a terrible movie. That's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I said, that movie is nothing but, and I'm a liberal, but liberal virtue signaling, Bullshit. It's just bullshit. Not an ounce of truth in it, or or art. It's just m- supposed to make you feel good about believing what you believe, right? And Pat was like, "Jesus, dude. <laughs> like, man. Like, can I just like? You may think that, but can't you just let me like this movie? Oh, <laughs> uh, I kind of know how Pat feels now. You know what, Steve? It's a light-hearted comedy, and it made me feel good. And it's, it's well-crafted enough. Enough. It's not... You have to admit, there's enough skill in the movie that if you don't think too hard about it, it's an enjoyable movie. And I haven't, I haven't even gotten to the parts of the movie I really like. But what I want to say... Actually, I'm going to tie it in. I'm going to make a tie-in. First, I'm going to ask you a question. Don't answer too long. Uh, Steve... When you're at home alone, do you think about what a terrible, world, what a terrible place the world is? Not often. Sometimes I do. Okay. So I need movies like this. I need to feel good, because sometimes uh-huh. I dwell on stuff like that. I'm not depressed. Right. But sometimes I, you know, I read a lot of history. Sometimes I can't help but focus on the bad things in the world. Second, I'm not going to speak for you, because this is personal. I'm going to speak for myself. I have a very great relationship with my father. I love my dad. Very important person in my life. Turns out this movie, and one of the things I like the most about this movie, I was talking with our other good friend, Alir about it. Uh, shout out to Alir when we first watched the movie. This movie's really not a romantic comedy. It makes you think it is. It's actually a movie about fathers and Sometimes, sons. Yes. And it's the most emotionally resonant part of the movie. Uh, is basically this character having to deal with the death of his father. And even though he can time travel... Uh, even Like, his father dies of lung cancer, but he's able to time travel back to parts before his father died um, to, like, basically have conversations with them. So it's like his father never died. But what happens is his wife gets pregnant a third time. Here's the biggest fucking problem with the movie. <laughs> you want to talk about the biggest fucking problem with this movie? It's right here, by the way. Um, Excuse me. He's already got two kids, and his father dies. But it doesn't really matter, because he's always able to go back in time uh, after his second child is born, to talk to his alive version of his dad. But then his wife gets pregnant with a third child. And what this means is this. His dad has died before the third child is born. So if the third child were to be born a girl, and then he were to go back mm-hmm. in time before the child was born, um, actually before the child was even, before she was even impregnated, conceived, pregnant, yeah, conceived that, that's what, that's what. um, conceived, and then you go back into the present, the now the girl could be a boy or vice versa. Right? It would be a different or it sperm. Or could be a different girl. It would yeah, be, be a different, different sperm every time. All right. Why the fuck have three kids? You could have it all, man. You could have two lovely, lovely children and your alive dad who you could communicate with until the day that you die. Now, I get the point that life moves on and people die and you need to get on with your life. But you really don't in this circumstance. You could actually have it all. You could be, on, you could be almost on your deathbed. right? Your last walking steps could be into a closet so you could talk with your dad. Um, and you'd be young. And you'd be young, you'd be too. Calm. You could potentially avoid death. I mean, you could have a primer thing. You could go, but you could be 80 years old, go back in time, relive your life, and then do it again. And all you had to do was not have a third kid. You don't need three kids. Why do you need three kids? Nobody needs three kids. Three kids are lovely. I would like to have three kids. It's not necessary. Huh? Not if it costs not if it costs you your dad. Not if it costs you your father, by the way, he's essentially killing his father because his father's like, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: it is particularly weird because um, the Rachel McAdams character says she didn't want to have two kids. But here's the craftsmanship. You know, people change their minds and they, they come up with a kind of a cute, funny reason why she wants a third kid, something about, uh, you know, if one's smart and one's stupid. Well, we should have a second one to balance, to, you know, so the stupid kid has somebody to talk to. You know, it's, it, it's cute. It's funny. Has no dramatic validity whatsoever. And much of this movie has no dramatic uh, validity whatsoever. I will concede this. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, uh, movies with relationships, mm-hmm. healthy relationships between um, men and their fathers, very rare. And that was refreshing. This movie isn't without its pleasures. Don't get me wrong. If you watch it, you'll... You'll get some pleasure out of it, mm-hmm. okay. You have to, you ha- but you have to put your brain in neutral, and you know, forget what the world is really like. Yeah, forget that uh, what kids can be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you wouldn't know that kids can be so you know could could scream their heads off to a point of annoyance, not a point. Oh, oh, it's my my loving
0: kid screaming. Wait, yeah, wait, 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 wait. Out, wait, 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 wait. No. This movie cuts out. This Wait, 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 wait. Are you trying to say <laughs> that he shouldn't have uncorrected the fix for his sister? No. Okay. Cool. Not at all. I what they were trying to say. Like, like, like. What's the deal? You got. What's the big deal? You got a new kid. But you know, um. It. Well, he. You know, I
1: understand him wanting to go back because he had a, uh, an emotional bond with that child. But he would also, sticking to the rules of the movie, he would also have an emotional bond with the boy. Because his sister had an emotional bond with her no, boyfriend. No, no, so it doesn't no, make any sense. What you mean is
0: that he should have had the memories of a year. He, should, new, have the, he,
1: he should, should have a years have worth of emotional, yes. which would have produced, uh, you know, probably a very strong emotional bond. So in that sense, it doesn't make sense. I don't mind bending the rules for a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. And this movie doesn't. This movie,
0: I want to concede the good intentions of Richard Curtis. All right, only okay. two things, hold on, only two plot holes bother me in this movie. and The movie's full of puddles. Yeah. The money, I just can't stand that money thing. <laughs> like how did that work? And then more importantly, the third kid. Look, if I if I'm that guy and I'm in that situation, <laughs> I'm going to do one of two things. I'm going to say I really don't want a third kid, honey. I just don't. Like I think it's too much. I'm I'm so sorry and risk her being resentful. I don't think not wanting a third kid is as destructive to a relationship as not wanting any children. So I'm pretty sure she could get over it. However, mm-hmm. if she couldn't get over it, here's what I'd say: I'd say, "Honey, I gotta tell you something. I'm a time traveler, <laughs> and All this right? is why. And and here, and I've been time traveling for years. However, I've never time traveled to get you to sleep with me. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta leave that part out. You gotta say that <laughs> she's gonna assume it. Um." And my father, I'm able to go back in time and talk to him all the time, however I can't, my dead father, however I can't, if we have a third kid. that just, that just, that just struck on me and another thing that
1: uh, I can hold against this movie. His, why shouldn't why is, isn't he being kind of selfish keeping this to himself? Couldn't she benefit enormously? Well, he can't tell her because he basically date-raped her. <laughs> yeah, he, he could leave that part out. Um, or, you know, uh, assuming assuming what will play within the universe of this movie, she would never want to go back and alter the fact that she married him. Still, couldn't there be some benefits to her going back in time? Uh, you know, maybe tender moments with, with her parents or something? I, I I don't
0: know. Uh, How about the fact that she's always they're always talking about when they way. can't afford? Just go back and win the lottery. Yeah, <laughs> that would benefit her and him. What's the big deal? Well, he wants to,
1: uh, Curtis wants to uh, cling to this notion that having an average life yeah. with with small means doesn't mean you're going. Not only does it not mean you're going to be miserable, it shouldn't be an impediment to you having a. Delightful, a delightful. That's a word he used. A
0: delightful, well, the and that is horseshit. Okay, so hold on before. We- okay, I want to debate that, <laughs> but before we debate that, the movie's about death and enjoying life. And the idea is this: before his father dies, he says, "Here's the most important thing you should do with your time traveling ability: live out every day, and at the end of every day, do the entire day again. But this time, notice what is great about the day." OK, mm-hmm. so the main character does this for, I don't know, maybe a year or less. OK, but then eventually what he says is he no longer does it at all. He no longer repeats the day. Right. Because every single day he now realizes is special and he's going to enjoy his life so that by the time he's dead, he can say he had a great life. Why is that bullshit, Steve? They're not conceding. The tough parts of life. You
1: never see the tough parts of life here. Uh, slight challenges, mind you, slight Strashing. challenges, but nothing mm-hmm. that really hits home. The sister, Wait, right? Steve, even even with the sister who who winds up in a in a in a tragic accident, mm-hmm. even she finds a nice person, and everything is delightful for her. By the way, um, you you just mentioned about how he how he goes back in time to relive a day. Yeah. He tries that and sees how it goes. Steve, I
0: have a question for you.
1: Well, let me let me, let me finish this thought. Um, there's a quote why he stops doing it. He says, Suddenly, time travel seems almost unnecessary um, because every detail of life is so delightful. That's not true. That is as false. That is as, every detail of life is not delightful. It is as false as love is all you
0: need. Sorry, John Lennon. <coughs> that was. Bullshit. Steve, I have a question. Is this because of their white privilege?
1: (laughs) (laughs) This movie has privilege. It absolutely has privilege, which it does not acknowledge. Steve,
0: I felt you veering towards the closest (laughs) you'll ever be to having a liberal mindset. I really did. I just saw it. You you know, Steve, I can't believe what I just witnessed. This was, you basically just took the perspective Mm -hmm. I'm not going to speak for myself, even though I am liberal. Um, my liberalness really regards to other areas. But I think that you took the perspective a lot of liberal people have, which is just because everything is great for you doesn't mean it's great for the rest of us. No, no. Let me
1: clarify okay. that. Okay, What I'm saying is not everything is great for them. Oh, that is that is a um, that is a cinematic lie. Well, everything is great for them in this movie, but everything can't be great. That is that is the lie for them. The movie it is, is it's wonderful. They have wonderful lives. This is this is the problem I have with the movie. Richard Curtis is selling you the same bullshit that those romantic comedies where where the right people end up with each mm-hmm. other and go on to mm-hmm. to live. No, life is much messier than that. Yeah, they're trying to say even the messiness is charming. That's not true. That's, that is a trite, trivial read on what life is like. This is an experiential movie. They want to push buttons, okay? Yeah. I, I, know he, I know he has good intentions, but Richard Curtis
0: is <clears throat> pushing kindness horseshit. Okay, we have to wrap it up. Steve, I have a question for you. Okay. Just one question. Do you watch anything... God, you know what makes me so mad? I find myself taking the position of people I hate. Um, <laughs> Steve, do you ever watch anything without being overly critical? Or without, without being discerning? How would I know? My point is this. <laughs> no, is there anything you watch where you're just like, I'm just going to watch this for its mild enjoyment? Oh, absolutely. What? An and Costello movie. Okay. Couldn't you have treated- In their terms. Couldn't you have treated terms. this like that? <laughs> like, I hate when people say to me, like, can't you just, like, not be so judgmental? Because the mm-hmm. truth is, I don't control my brain. <laughs> there are plenty of movies that I've loved about about kind, genuine, kind people, and even happy but movies. Pete, the poster of this movie is two young, attractive people smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can't you gather from the poster of this movie what you're in for?
1: It, it, it's the. Here it is. Um, this is a lot what, of what get gets off me my Is on. What gets me is. No, uh. <laughs> They're selling, they're selling a product, but they want credit for saying, this is how life could be. That's what's offensive about this movie. He's, yeah. say, he's trying to sell you, you know, get up, you know, that nosy neighbor, turn her into a friend, turn her into a pal, yeah. you know, find the delightfulness. By the way, that day that he relives, yeah. it's a hard day that he has, yeah. and it, taking his father's advice, he relives it. All he's doing is smiling. <laughs> oh he does a smile yeah it's true. that's the difference
0: he plays a little air guitar on the subway he plays a
1: little air guitar writes an obscene thing about his boss but basically he just smiles he just decides that
0: it's no it's not by the way the brave thing i'm not asking i'm the not brave asking to see he... To have done would have been to tell off his boss when his boss is unjustly <laughs> criticizing his friend you you would have a chance and then you could go back and redo it if, if, if you felt uh you went too far
1: <laughs> i don't i don't know uh, I acknowledge once again. I acknowledge the good intentions yeah. about him trying to push kindness, but what he's pushing the way, getting, is
0: sylif- yeah. is synthetic niceness. Getting back to the primer loop, if he's going to live his whole day, get in the closet and relive it again, he hasn't slept. Get that? Instead of being up for thirteen hours, mm-hmm. he's now up for almost twenty five. I would maintain
1: that when you go back yeah. in time, you not only affect your body, your clothes, but also. The amount of sleep you've had. So, so you think not the,
0: that's not what Primer says? Primer says. Oh, you think they care about what Primer said? No. No. Clear. Okay. All right. So uh, you heard it They're here. they Fo- You heard it here, folks. Steve's <laughs> major problem with this movie is the white privilege of the characters.
1: <laughs> here, here's a question I wanted to ask you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not uh, uh, he, they. They are granted a. Uh, they are granted a privilege. By the way. They don't even bother to explain how this happens or even why it is. So you're right. It was so opposite of primer. They couldn't care less why or how it happens. They couldn't. This is pure fantasy. They're all selfish.
0: I don't have problems. They're all selfish.
1: They are very, they're very selfish and self-centered. I haven't. He doesn't do anything. You know why, Steve? He doesn't do anything that requires a sacrifice. Yeah, you know why? With the
0: possible exception of his sister. You know why? Why? Because they're white privilege. Oh. (laughs) I'm telling you, we've converted Steve. Steve is a social... The romantic comedy privilege. You are a social justice warrior, Steve. Welcome.
1: Welcome to the club, my friend. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Is is this a nefarious plot by capitalists to make people content with their lot in life? Oh my god. Maybe you're right. Maybe you yeah. have a point. Steve,
0: are you kidding me? <laughs> this movie's converted. You I'm so happy. I'm so happy today. There were there's a theory that when
1: when the movie love story came out it was based on a novel, but mm-hmm. when the movie came out, some people swore it was Nixon trying to uh, placate the masses yeah. with a with a pile with with, with, a, with a pile with a, with a banana yeah. split for a movie.
0: You know what, Steve? <laughs> I like this movie, but I find that I have to make a sacrifice. And the sacrifice (laughs) I have to make is I have to agree with everything you're saying, (laughs) because by agreeing with you on all these points you're making, I am pushing you closer to the liberal ideology. So it's worth it. So this movie is about a group of white privileged characters who exist under a capitalist structure in which they themselves have it better than most, but not completely great, but are completely content with their lives as a result. (laughs) Yeah, Steve. I'm with you, my friend. I can only say in my defense that had
1: this been a cast full of African-Americans or African-Brits or, or uh, Latinos, it would have driven me just as crazy.
0: Let me tell you guys, uh, <laughs> in the year 2024, Steve is going to be the first guy with the Bernie Sanders bumper sticker. Anything else? Bad um, pitch? Bad pitch? questions?
1: Groundhog's Day yep. meets World War Z. <laughs> what the fuck? They need zombies in this. Movie. Anything, anything,
0: bloods for any chaos, anything. Please, God. All right, guys. I'm sure that Steve just completely blew out the microphone in case, Sorry. in case, in case you couldn't hear it. He says the movie needs zombies, and because. <laughs> you throwing in uh, some zombies, I'm with look, you. Look, this is a very delicate time in Steve's life. It's much more important than the movie because Steve is really on the border of being a liberal. So I'm going to agree with him too. Yeah, Steve, this movie needs zombies. Uh, we've <laughs> never really done a movie which we... Like, we didn't vehemently disagree because you made good points. I'm a little upset uh, that, that you had to destroy a movie I liked. I apologize. Um, but this was a good one nonetheless. Maybe we should do movies that we disagree on more often. But we didn't <laughs> vehemently disagree. We didn't have like a real like shouting argument because I knew you were making good points that I would have just rather ignored uh, while watching the movie, and quite frankly did. Um, But I'm sure you have amazing taste in in, uh,
1: movies. I would not talk about movies on a podcast with anybody less... Uh Look, man, in you. Look, man,
0: the problem is you just keep taking the movies as your pick that I want to pick <laughs> and then I got to find some other movie on the topic to pick. It is so sinister. Which pisses me off. This keeps happening to me. <laughs> I, I can't remember. This happened to me on another one, too, where I picked a movie I was like, I like, but you picked the movie I wanted to pick. Anyways, guys, of course, as usual, we went long. Uh, Steve, it's been a good one. I'll talk to you later.